<laughs> on a show that talks about time traveling Bigfoot and alien sex cults. This is serious journalism, people. Serious. <laughs> this time, this like, time we mean it. If you think that there are not birds that are not <laughs> real, you're a moron. I do have a superstition that Satan and his minions yes. interrupt mm. technological yes. connections when conversations are getting yes. particularly interesting or, or important. At this point, I'm not throwing these weirdos out because maybe they're telling the truth. Why does everything have to be a hidden conspiracy where the <laughs> motives aren't really clear? Where you can't tell what someone's intentions are from their words. Why, Abby, why? I, I feel like you're just not answering the question. It, there is a pattern here that is definitive, and mm-hmm. this leads us to the CEO's response, yeah. which is not the way that you want to play being accused of in a conspiracy theory. Glowing metal things that are moving in impossible speeds and impossible directions, defying laws of physics, showing up over battlefields, showing up over important historical events for all of history. This is Chekhov's gun, you guys. It's the gun that's been sitting on the mantelpiece since Act 1. It's Act 3 now. I'm waiting for it to go off. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Conspiracy Pilled Season 3, Episode 14, The Mandela Effect. I'm your host, PJ Williams, and with me tonight is a wonderful guest host, Frida Donnelly from uh, Finding the Faith, which I think you found last night. How are you doing, Frida? I did. I found her, and yes. she was lovely. <laughs> she was lovely. Faith Moore was on your show last night. Yeah, it was a real blast. She is hilarious and sweet, and it was great to be there, and now I'm very glad to get to be here. Thanks for having me. Yeah, I know. We've talked about having you on the show a million times, and then... I just, I don't know. We just haven't done it yet. And I was yeah. like, you know what? Abby's out of town. She's being a big old movie star and whatever, going to the premiere of a new film she's in. Uh, not a joke. We'll play the trailer for you guys later uh, called Lady Ballers from the Daily Wire. So that one's, uh, that's pretty interesting. Have you, have you watched the trailer like nine times like I have? I think I've watched it like 18. It's freaking hilarious. <laughs> it's so funny. It's I'm amazing. so jealous. Yeah, yeah. So Abby's away tonight. Frida's filling in. We are talking about the Mandela effect, and I'm very excited for this uh, episode. This is one that was requested a ton of times by people, and we've talked about CERN. We had Maddie Ice on before to talk about uh, like some kind of related stuff around that. But we've never just done a full episode on the Mandela effect and what, what it is, uh, some examples, what our theories are, what our thoughts are on it. So... Uh, I got a lot of stuff to say, but uh, how about you? Are you excited for this one? I am. The Mandela effect is kind of what got me into conspiracy theories when that was really, really big. And so it's, although I will have to say researching it, it was very, very different vibes back when I was like, oh, this is, you know, me and my degeneracy without, you know, having found Christ in my like craziness thought experiment. And now it's like, oh goodness, there's some like kind of dark stuff here. That's pretty wild. Yeah, yeah, we're going to get into all of it. I've got a lot of thought. Yeah, it's 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 uh, one that I've covered before a long time ago on a different podcast. Uh, it's interesting that that's what got you into conspiracy theories. I think a lot of people have that same thing where they're like, something is weird here. And the mainstream narrative on what this is is just not sufficient, right? Like that's yeah. the, that's I mean, I don't want to spoil too much about what we're going to talk about, but it just feels like so many of the um, theories or so many of the explanations are just not satisfying. They don't seem like they really cover it all. They might explain one thing here or this might explain something over there, but it just doesn't feel quite right. It definitely feels like a cornucopia of crazy. 
<laughs> Cornucopia. I see where you're going with that. We'll talk about Fruit of Loom in a minute. But first, we're going to be uh, thanking all the wonderful people who come over and support the show. So over on uh, conspiracypill.locals.com, where you guys can catch a bonus episode every Thursday night, uh, we have some Christianists. Some Christian U.S. I don't know if it's some Christianist or some Christian U.S. New monthly supporter. We have Enraged Snail with a one-time support of three months. And S.J. Cretchen, a new yearly supporter over there on Local. So you guys can come over and get that for 5 bucks a month or for $50 for the whole year. So you get basically two months free that way. And over on Odyssey, we have Rena Rue 311 with uh, some new unhinged support over there supporting the show. So appreciate you guys. Again, you can get our bonus content on our locals page. You can get it through a subscription on Odyssey or over on Rockfin where you get us and a bunch of other people for $15 a month. So some different options for you guys to be able to watch our live uh, unhinged content, which is a lot of fun. So second show every week. But uh, with that out of the way, I think you want to start us off. So what is the Mandela effect, Frida? Where does this come from? So it started from Fiona Broom. She was a paranormal researcher and she was at Dragon Con in when she was at Dragon Con, she was waiting to go on stage. So she was speaking in the green room about the death of Nelson Mandela. And that was when the term was coined in 2009. So that is a... She created the term based on her belief that she and many others shared a collective false memory regarding the death of Nelson Mandela. She claimed that she remembered Mandela dying in prison during the 1980s, although in reality, you know, reality. Reality. <laughs> this reality? Yeah, we'll talk about it. <laughs> Mandela was released from prison in 1990 and went on to become the president of South Africa before passing away in 2013. Yeah. And that's, what's interesting about this too, is like, it was this whole term coined the Mandela effect came out in 2009. So this is before he actually was dead at all. Yeah. Supposedly. Right. So like I had originally thought that it was just like when people saw his funeral in 2013, they're like, wasn't this guy already dead? Cause I've heard people say that before that they're like, they were kind of shocked when they heard he died and this is a, this, we'll get into all of the stuff, but this is a phenomenon that's happened with a lot of people. One of the people I was looking to was like Abe Vigoda. There was a whole mm-hmm. like abevigoda.com because he had been re- reported dead so many times that they had a thing that was like, all that said was, yes, he's alive until he actually died. And then it, that's the only time the website changes. Like Abe Vigoda's dead. Yeah. I feel like CNN tries to kill <laughs> more people than the Clintons do. <laughs> Clinton News Network. I know there's maybe some some connections there. I heard that that one year they had reported seven celebrities dead that were not dead, just in one year, like falsely reported that, like before they checked it, went out on the news and everything like that. That's insane. So I do think that's part of it. Like here's the thing: I don't want to give away too much of what we're getting into, but like there's definitely some of this that I don't think is that weird, and then there's other stuff that I think is super weird. And what I have noticed, I've asked a lot of people this week about the Mandela effect. Everybody has at least one where they're like, there's no freaking way that this is the way it is. Like, I know it's this thing mm-hmm. and everybody's like really passionate about them. And um, I'm sure people in chat will be telling us if we missed one or whatever. We're not gonna be able to get to them all because we want to get into theories and stuff like that. But if you have one you really want us to cover, feel free to drop a rumble rant or something like that. And we'll get to it either during the show or in the bonus portion at the end of the show. Um, if you're on YouTube, uh, we are not monetized on YouTube. That's not because we can't be. That's a choice that we made if you're new to the show. Uh, we just don't want to give our money and give your money by by extension to uh, the big tech censorship overlords on a platform that we don't think will probably be on for very long. <laughs> I'm surprised we've been on this long. Yeah. Is my point. I'm surprised we have not had our YouTube completely canceled. We've gotten enough strikes and warnings and videos taken down. I'm surprised we're still up. So uh, please come over to Rumble or Odyssey or one of the free speech platforms. Support the show that way. Um 
But uh, yeah, sorry. Was there more about uh, Mandela you wanted to get into? Yeah. So she initially discussed this phenomenon on our website in the early 2000s, where she described experiencing what she believed to be memories of events that didn't match historical records. And then a lot of people, you know, came out and that's when the exploration of this concept really gained attention and popularity through online communities and forums where a bunch of people specifically didn't remember Nelson Mandela, like still living. They're like, no, that guy's dead. Like, what are you talking about? I find it a little weird because like maybe it's because I grew up in the 90s and not in the 80s that I'm like, well, the only reason I know who he is is because he's the president of South Africa and the whole apartheid and things like that. Like, I'm sure if you grew up in the 80s, you would have known him for, I guess, for being, you know, in in prison for whatever. Yeah. But I mean, what I I guess I don't know. I guess he must have been. I just didn't grow up in that time. So I don't have the same memories around Mandela as, as other people. I definitely feel that because you're a little bit older than I am. And I thanks for pointing it out. You said that before the show, too. You called me ancient, by the way. (laughs) No, I called me ancient. Oh, okay. Me by extension. I was just being mean to you by extension. Yeah. Okay. There we go. (laughs) Is it an episode of Conspiracy Pilled if your co-host isn't mean to you? Oh, absolutely not. Okay. Yeah. yeah. That's what I thought. (laughs) Abby told me I had to. I was like, what are tips for the show? Somebody's got to keep me in line. Yeah, for sure. So, (laughs) um, But the one thing I first remember, like, hearing about Nelson Mandela was that he died, and I remember that in a history book in Honors Humanities back in the year 2010. So I was like, So what, you had a history book that said he was dead? Yes! That's crazy. (laughs) So I was like, this is just like, I don't know. How many times have they killed this guy? Yeah. I do wonder, I do wonder though, like there's so many people I know that just have a very strong memory of him and we'll get into some of those theories in a second, but like, was it, is it in history books, some history books, whether falsely or, or because of some other weird reason? Yeah, it is in some history books. I mean, mine were not too dilapidated (laughs) and I was in like the honors course. So it was like the harder history book, but yeah. Good old public school, uh, (laughs) teaching right there. Yes, for sure. Ah, uh, so I want to get into some examples with this really quick because mm-hmm. everybody's got theirs. And the thing that the thing about Mandela effects is like, yes, there's this this the, did this person die or they didn't they die? But it goes beyond that to like things changing that we really remember, like movies, mm-hmm. um, spellings of things, visual things, things we learned in school. So I want to start off with a few movie ones because I'm kind of a movie uh, nerd. And for people who don't know, there's this new um, series I'm doing called Real Conspiracies, where I take uh, you know about 20 minutes to like dive into the conspiracy motifs and occult symbolism and stuff like that in uh, books and movies and video games and stuff like that. So we got a new one for local supporters and everybody that's going to come out Friday, and then everybody else will get it uh, next week. Um, and this one's actually going to be a video game this time. But I'm kind of a movie and video game nerd, so uh, I love a movie called. Uh, <laughs> called Moonraker. It's a James Bond movie. I, when I was like 10 years old, I watched every James Bond movie. Um, I just kept going to the local like a uh, video rental store mm-hmm. and I just get one after the other after the other. And I probably the only person in the world who thinks Roger Moore is the best James Bond. <laughs> people will people will be mad at me for that one. Um, but uh, one of my favorite James Bond movies was Moonraker and it's because the the main villain is Jaws this like giant dude with these metal teeth and and James Bond goes to space and it's ridiculous and stupid and fun but there's one scene I remembered everybody who's ever seen Moonraker remembers this one scene and, and you've said you've never seen it but I want you to watch this scene before I even say what the Mandela effect is and tell me what is if anything at all is weird about it to you because watching it it just it doesn't make any freaking sense 
Yeah. So yeah, here, watch this. Okay, so that's Jaws. That's Jaws. All right, sorry, it's really quick. So let me go back a little bit. So watch, watch this one more time. I didn't go back far enough. It happened, but I just, yeah. Yeah. Just, do you see anything that should be different? That feels like it should be different. Wasn't there like, wasn't this spoofed in like a grocery store commercial or something? Yes. Yes, it was. It was spoofed. I actually have that commercial. So for people who are listening to this, Jaws is this giant dude with with big metal teeth. And there's this tiny little girl that saves him from the wreckage of the of the Moonraker. And he smiles at her with his big metal teeth and she smiles back at him and he falls in love with her. And it's like she but what I remember, what everybody else remembers, she had braces and that was the connection. And the I feel scene, like that would make more sense. The scene doesn't make any sense at all unless it's like, oh, she has metal teeth, too. Otherwise, it's just she smiles at him and it's weird and it doesn't make any sense. And it's like I just can't make like this is one of the ones for me that really just makes me go, what the heck? Like maybe this is how it really happened. But who wrote the scene to be like, here's what people will understand. She smiled at him and therefore they're in love like the brace thing makes sense. So again, it yeah. could be, I know one of the theories is that we're just filling it in with things that make sense. Cause the scene was filmed and made no sense, but I'm not the only one who remembers it this way. And in fact, th- this is why it's so weird is because it's not just the people who remember it differently. It's the actors in the movie supposedly remember it differently wow. because there's this spoof scene of, in a commercial, the one you were talking about where the guy who played jaws is at the cash register and he's checking out and we get, basically the exact same thing. I'm going to get a few things. Yeah. If I had yes. a sign telling me that this was love. She smiles at him and she's got braces. It's yeah. like a spoof. Of, Simpsons did a spoof of this too and the girl had braces. I remember that's been the Simpsons spoof. Yeah. So, I don't know. That one sticks out to me. It's really weird. Understandably. But, uh, tell me, as someone who hasn't seen the movie, does the scene make any sense to you without without the braces? Not really. Not really, right? Yeah. I mean, so. at least if she had had the braces, it would be like, oh, you and I are the same. Like, you saved me because you yeah. and I, like, get each other and we have this, like, special connection. Yeah, it's like, oh, you're an outcast with metal teeth, too, right? Yeah. yeah it's just not that at all. It's just she smiles at him, I guess. I don't know. Um, another movie one that everybody brings up is in The Empire Strikes Back, the famous line, Luke, I am your father. Mm-hmm. He doesn't actually say that. He says, no, I'm your father, or just I am your father. I can't remember which way it is, but he's like... You know, you killed my father. No, I'm your father. And this one doesn't. This one's not weird to me at all. Is are you a Star Wars fan? A little bit. My is that weird to you to hear that it's not Luke? I'm your father. It is. Like, because here's the thing. Everybody quotes it that way because mm-hmm. when you're not in the movie, you're not watching the movie. It's like there's the extra context is I'm talking to to Luke Skywalker. Yeah. I don't know. It's it's not that weird to me. It I seems like an easy how. one to mm-hmm. misquote. I can see how like the misquoting it throughout time could kind of fill that into our brains. Well, there's a there's a Oscar acceptance speech or something like that. I don't Oscar. I don't think Mark Hamill ever won an Oscar, but the some award show where mm-hmm. Mark Hamill himself mimics lines as Luke, I'm your father in Tommy boy. That's what Chris Farley says. That one's just not that weird to me, but it is one that really gets to people. I just think it just makes sense when you're quoting the movie. You might add in a Luke um, to it, but I don't know. I watched Star Wars so many times as a kid that one never really threw me off. So um, another one that really throws people off, though, what's the line in Snow White when she's looking at the the mirror on the wall? Mirror, mirror on the wall. Who's the fairest of them all? 
Right, except it's not. It's magic mirror on the wall. And I've watched it a bunch of times. I'm like, I'm not a huge Snow White Disney princess fan, but I grew up with three sisters. So I've seen yeah. the movie a fair amount of times. You've heard a million people quote it. And just magic mirror on the wall is just a little weird. So Yeah, it's kind of clunky too. <clears throat> it is a little clunky. Uh, some some other ones that people get into. You know what? I forgot to bring up. You, you were still talking about uh, Nelson Mandela earlier. And there, there's a picture of him for people. Um, if they didn't know what he looked like, uh, what, what was this thing that you sent me about this ticket? And then so, we'll go back to, cause I forgot about this. So with that ticket, a lot of people, when it comes to explaining the Mandela effect and remembering his funeral being more in like the 1990s, they say, no, that's when this great big concert was that was in his honor and then he came to the united states and did a bunch of tour stops in like detroit <clears throat> miami boston all of the places and this is a ticket to him speaking at detroit tiger stadium yeah it might be i heard i thought the date he was supposed to die was like 88 or 87 though there's the weird like the specifically weird thing about this is that there's two groups there's the right group yeah there's the that's that like 80. 90s and the group that was in the 80s right and then there's like a third group that isn't super representative, but that's like, no, he never died. Don't know what you're talking about. He was alive the whole time. Right. Yeah. And there's like, yeah. I, I think I've even heard like early two thousands, like there's different dates where people remember Nelson Mandela dying. So, so what you're saying is because people are saying they remember this big televised thing mm -hmm. that they might be remembering the uh, Mandela Detroit concert. Yeah. Okay. That's interesting theory. Um, yeah. It just depends on who you talk to. I think Fiona Broom had said like, that she remembered like his wife giving this like heartfelt. I've heard other people mm -hmm. say that they remember the, yeah, I don't know. It's weird to me because I can't imagine a foreign prisoner of like a foreign criminal being paraded through the streets with like a huge, it, it's always been a little weird to me. Like exactly. the memories that people have around it just seem odd. They seem like they would be more in line with a concert and maybe misremembering. I don't know. Um, Especially because of the fact that he was an activist, so his own country kind of treated him as a domestic terrorist. Well, that's so, my point: is he was yeah, in prison we, for being a domestic exactly. terrorist. Yeah, so I don't know; it's odd. Yeah. Uh, I want to get into some of the spelling ones, though. So there's, um, we've got a couple examples here: Oscar Meyer, Oscar Mayer. This one's weird to me because there's a song. O S C A R. My baloney has a second name. It's M E Y E R. That's how I remember it. I yeah. guess M A Y E R is not that different, but. This is one that was a little weird to me. It just seems wrong. I don't know. It does. Uh, seems off to most people. There's uh, this one doesn't seem. I'm going to be the only person in the world that's going to do a Mandela effect show and say the Bernstein, Berenstein, Berenstein bears thing isn't weird to me in the slightest. Um, is it weird to you? A little bit because I definitely remember it being Bernstein, but see, but you I just you did what I did. You did what I did. I thought it was Bernstein my whole life. So when I found out it was Berenstain, I was like, that is weird, but not because not for the same reason everybody else thinks it's weird. They're like, I remember the Berenstein bears. I'm like, I didn't get the joke. So I was like 27 years old and I learned about the Mandela effects and I was like, oh, there was another E in there it was Berenstain. I just thought it was Bernstein. It's in cursive. Yeah. If I was a kid, I just kind of like read it quickly and I knew people with the last name Bernstein and I just had filled it in my head that it was Bernstein all these years. So like if it was Mandela effect for me, it's like a double one because I was like, it was Berenstein and not, or St Stein or whatever. Yeah. And I'm like, it, I just thought it was Bernstein. <laughs> Between that and regional dialects of like pronunciation right, and yeah. stuff, it's not the most interesting one. 
I don't know. People will spend like 20 minutes talking about this. Uh, I've, that's, I've had enough of it. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of visual ones too. There's, um, there's a uh, P- Pikachu not having the black tail thing. What do you have? Do you have thoughts on this? So for people who are listening, apparently Pikachu never had a black tip on the end of his tail. Like that's supposed to be the official is on the right hand side. So it's Pikachu. He's got the black tips on his ears, but not on the tip of his tail. Look weird. Look off to you. Yeah, very. So when I looked into this a little bit, I found that there were some toys that were printed with the black tip for the tail. So like maybe officially, supposedly this was not the thing, but I think there was enough representation of him with the black tip tail that to, to make a little bit of sense of this one. Uh, they also this try one's, to, yeah, go ahead. They also try to say that because of the fact that his tail was behind his head so much and like behind his ears that we were just remembering the ears being black tipped and not mm. the tail but I don't buy it. Yeah. Yeah. Then there's the, the monopoly guy without the monocle is the right one. Supposedly he doesn't have a monocle and there's this whole thing. Like, are we mixing it up with the planters peanut guy? I don't know. Maybe like for me, I always think of, um, uh, what's that movie with, uh, Ace Ventura, not the, not pet detective when nature calls, he has that monopoly guy and he's got the monocle and everything. So, I don't know if it's been parodied with the monocle enough times. Maybe I'm thinking of it that way. I don't know. Without the monocle is weird, though. Yeah, it looks very, very strange. It does look strange, right? Uh, Curious like, George without the tail. I, I I never liked Curious George, so I can't speak on this one. But is there any strong opinions on your end? I was a huge Curious George fan. Um, he was, I mean, that's why monkeys were my favorite animal growing up. <laughs> but... He looks so weird without the tail. He was always like using the tail to get into trouble. Be- and that's how like the majority of stories were. This is another one where I think I've found toys of him with the tail. So I don't know. Um, but some people have strong feelings on this one. Uh, Kit Kat. This one's weird to me because apparently Kit Kat doesn't have the dash and it never did. And it just looks wrong. It does look wrong. It looks like they ran out of space. <laughs> it does. It like a lot of these. Tell me guys in the chat, like is the one on the right or the left look? Because in all these examples, I'm pretty sure I got them all with the, the one we remember is on the left and the true one is on the right hand side. And I'm like the Kit Kat one's weird to me. Yeah. Uh, this. Okay. This is the one I want to spend a minute, a second on. Okay. Because the fruit of the loom one, like, I, like you know, I said, everybody's got the, <laughs> the few that like really stick to them. The rest of them like, eh, maybe this, maybe that. I don't know. Fruit of the frickin' loom without the cornucopia is weird. And I only know the name cornucopia <laughs> because of fruit of the loom. Like Same. it's so iconic. And and it, it's like everybody remember this is what this is why it gets to me. Why would everybody remember fruit of the loom, a a, a bunch of fruit with the cornucopia, which is not a normal item. Yeah. If it well, it's not like a thing that you would think to imagine into a pile of fruit unless you had seen it so many times. Exactly. And on top of that too, like I remember doing like the first little like pilgrims, you know, Thanksgiving stuff and them being like, Oh, you know, you know, fruit of the loom, like all those shirts, like you guys like to wear and stuff. Yeah. That's the cornucopia. And the cornucopia is this with like Thanksgiving. imagery. Thank you. Yes. I, that's how I learned about it. The cornucopia too. In school, it was like the fruit yeah. of the loom logo. Like you have on your t-shirts. That's got the, and they would explain the cornucopia using Fruit of the Loom to tell us about. It. I remember this as well. And so many, yeah. this is, this is again, one of the strongest ones. And so I actually spent some time looking 
into like, am I going crazy here remembering this? I found one article that was like, well, maybe your brain could, and it was this whole like nonsense of like shapes and filling in the (laughs) gaps and stuff like that. I was like, who fills in the gap with a cornucopia? So (laughs) I found other things that kind of support my theory. And one of them is this Frank Weiss album called Flute of the Loom. And again, for people listening, it looks like the Fruit of the Loom logo, except it's a flute instead of a cornucopia. And this is so one of the theories we'll get into, like the memory stuff at the end, is that people are like filling in um, or people have seen like like I was talking about with Mark Hamill. Mm-hmm. He said, Luke, I'm your father at a, an acceptance speech. So people are assuming that that's the way that the line goes. They heard it in Tommy Boy, stuff like that. Right. Mm-hmm. But nobody's ever heard of Flute of the Loom by Frank West. <laughs> like, yeah. it's not like it's not that's not why we're remembering it with the cornucopia. But it was so strong in this artist's mind that the fruit of the loom that they're obviously parodying has a cornucopia. That they put the cornucopia in. And if that's not enough for you, I found this article. I had to go on ancestry.com to find this. And it's a 19, I think this, I don't remember this album. This might have been 70s, but this article, I'm almost 100% sure it's from the 70s. And it's called Cornucopia of Job Cuts. Fruit of the Loom Inc. said it would slash its U.S. workforce by 12% by eliminating 3,200 jobs in five southern states. Okay, whatever. It's, a, it's an article about Fruit of the Loom. And the title is Cornucopia of Job Cuts. Why are you talking about the cornucopia unless it's an obvious like everybody associates the cornucopia with Fruit of the Loom? Exactly. But according to Fruit of the Loom's own website, they've never, ever, 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 ever used the cornucopia ever. It's never been a thing. I call BS and that's a strange like that's such a strange weird thing to lie, lie right? about. <laughs> it's such a weird lie. <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't know. It's just weird to me. I, I get stuck on the cornucopia one. Um John says that he tried to look it up recently and it seems to not exist. Right. That's my point. It's like yeah. it's supposedly never, ever existed. So that's like everybody's got theirs. That one's one of mine. Uh, here's an, you know, just another example of some. The VW one looks a little weird to me. I think we talked about the rest. C3PO having a silver leg in um, in uh, New Hope. Mm-hmm. I watched it on VHS as a kid. And the first time I noticed it was when I went to a friend who had it on Blu-ray and I was like, holy smokes, C3PO has got a silver leg. So it might just be the fact that it was like, you know, old, you know, VHS tapes compared to Blu-ray. I don't know. Um, Easy thing to overlook when the rest of them is all like golden looking. So uh, just the details kind of blend together a little bit more. I'm not that thrown off by that one, but some people are. Um, I don't know, man. So Here's one, though. So we're talking about, you know, movies, spelling, visual stuff. But what about like your own anatomy? This is the weird one to me. So in this picture for people listening, it says if you found out your kidneys had physically moved from your lower back to just up underneath your heart, would you be ready to investigate the Mandela effect? And this one gets to people. Um, there's a lot of pictures now of the of the kidneys being way up here, like above your stomach even. Yeah, that's weird. It's super weird. Cause like kidney punching is a thing that we've all like, exp- I bruised a kidney one time. I was in the hospital cause I um, hurt my hip and bruised mm-hmm. my kidney. So my injury was entirely way down here on my hip Yeah, and I had a bruised kidney. I literally, I really pissed blood from it and I was 10 years old and it's like, I didn't hit something way up here protected by my rib. It's a weird 
thing. I don't know. It is, especially because my aunt, whenever she would buy me a coat for the winter, because I mean, New England winters are pretty rough. She'd always like get one that pretty much covered my bottom because of the fact that she's like, I don't want your kidneys to get cold. She always had like a weird thing about my kidneys getting cold. So I would have like these super long coats. Who who talks about... You have a weird family for you. My family is its own conspiracy theory. <laughs> but like, I distinctly remember like them being on there. And it then explains on top so of much it. about you, though. Yeah. That, you know, don't don't let your kidneys get cold. <laughs> I know it's a very weird thing to worry about, but like that's what makes it a core memory for me. <laughs> that and the fact that I Do you have ha- kidney warmers you put around your waist. <laughs> now you're like lifting them up to get those kidneys nice and warm to, yes. to brave the uh, main winters. Yes. Yeah. Okay. So. <laughs> that and the fact that I graduated with a medical assisting cert- like certification, so I know where my kidneys <clears throat> are, and they're not up here. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's so weird. So the uh, other ones that people bring up is like, uh, uh, we'll just talk about them momentarily. Is like people say the heart used to be on the left side, now it's in the center of the chest. I feel like that's just a misunderstanding of of the heart because you have your biggest um, chamber on the left side and you feel it there. But I was always taught from an early age it's actually protected by. The sternum, your heart has always been center. You just feel it on this side more because of of the... But the kidney one's weird to me. I don't know. It is. It's very, very weird. So it, unless there's like some rapid evolutionary thing they're not telling us about where our kidneys are just like sucking up inside of us, you know, like a, like a man when he's cold in the winter kind of thing. Gen Alpha is so short that they have to be up high because <laughs> there's no room. Otherwise, they're going to be That's what it high. is. That's what it is. Because we've all gotten smaller, right? That's the other yeah. thing. So maybe that's what's happening is we're all shrinking and maybe the atrazine in the water is like not only turning us gay, but like sucking our kidneys up into our bodies or something. I so can see it. That's what it is. That's what it is. It's not a Mandela effect. It's the atrazine in the water. They're they're Clearly. turning the freaking Gen Zers gay. So <laughs> do you understand that? Uh <laughs> 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 so so let's get into some theories right there's there's a lot of there, i feel like there's a couple of main theories and i want to talk about all of them and one we've we've brought up before it has to do with uh cern so in 2008 cern uh first turned on their large hadron collider and this was september 10th 2008 and there were theories going around that smashing for people who don't know what CERN is. It's this like five mile underground tunnel in Switzerland where they s- smash atoms into each other to see like, Hey, what happens when you smash atoms with each other? Do they blow up? Do they create black holes? You know, can we find the God particles? What they said they were looking for. Uh, and they supposedly found, I think in 2012. Um, mm-hmm. But there was a lot of theoretical physicists and, and people like that, including Stephen Hawking, who were like, if you do this, you very likely could just end reality. You could like literally create a black hole and uh, on October 14th, 2008, NASA wrote an article about this, which I find oddly, <laughs> I just find it odd. So it says uh, the day the world didn't end. Here's what didn't happen on September 10th. The world did not end. Uh, switching on the world's largest, most powerful particle accelerator near Geneva, Switzerland did not trigger the creation of a microscopic black hole and the black hole did not start rapidly sucking in surrounding matter. So you know, just, I don't know if it's like taking a victory lap as in, Hey, we, te- you know, we tempted blowing up the world and it didn't happen. So screw you guys. Yeah. Um, or if it's like, maybe they did do something and it's like, don't look over here. <laughs> so I did find this odd though, is I was looking into this mm-hmm. idea of the microscopic black holes. Mm-hmm. I found articles in the past that said, where certain scientists were saying like, yes, we do open up microscopic black holes all the time, but it's just not a big deal. And I didn't spend that much time looking into it today, but I did get on CERN's website and within like 30 seconds, I found at least three articles Mm -hmm. where they were like, 
we're not opening up microscopic black holes, but wouldn't it be cool if we did? And maybe we are. And here's just one example of it. But it's good, uh, actually. It's like they're trying to say, like, we're not doing it, but maybe we are. And we definitely know a lot about it. And if we did, it would be kind of cool. So, like, here's one where it says uh, another way of revealing extra dimensions would be through the production of microscopic black holes. What exactly we would detect would depend on the number of extra dimensions, the mass of the black hole, the size of the dimensions, and the energy at the black that the black holes occur. If microscopic black holes do appear in the collision created by the LHC, they would disintegrate rapidly in around 10 to the negative 27th of a, of a second, and they would decay into a standard model or super seismic particles, creating events containing an exceptional number of tracks in our detectors, which we would easily spot. Finding more on any of these subjects, we o- would open a door to yet unknown possibilities. So they're kind of like, we have the technology, we can do it, we can detect it, and it would really be good for science. Can we say, can we openly say that we're doing this? <laughs> That's at least how I'm reading it. I don't no, know, I'm a I little mean, conspiratorial on CERN. With good reason. Right. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, when you when you have like videos leaking of you doing like satanic rituals and you put the goddess of Shiva of death and destruction in front of your building and your logo is 666, I'm probably not going to trust you. Yeah. So, uh, and again, we've done an episode on CERN before, so we won't go too much into to all of that, all of that stuff. But um, what are your thoughts on this? Do you think that they opened up a black hole? Do you think like CERN is causing the Mandelfix kind of where the, the theory goes? I can see how people arrive to that conclusion, <clears throat> but I think because of the fact that it feeds into the whole like quantum physics, multi like multiple universes and stuff that it's just... It doesn't work for me as a Christian. We'll get into multiverse in a second. So I want to go through this. There's a really famous uh, tweet in uh, 2019 by Nick Hinton. And I don't think we'll read the whole thing, but I want to go through some of this because this is kind of where this theory, I shouldn't say it originated, but this definitely popularized some of this like multiverse sliding from CERN theory, right? So uh, the tweet basically goes, did the world end in 2012? Uh, I want to talk about this uh, subject for a while now. The other day I had a random urge to look into it again. And I'm just going to skip past him like explaining it. Uh, so did the world actually end in 2012? Well, it was the year that scientists at CERN finally found the Higgs boson. You know, the particle Stephen Hawking predicted could destroy the universe or in his own words, cause the universe to undergo a catastrophic vacuum decay. Well, what would happen if we destroyed the universe? Would we know maybe CERN accidentally created a black hole and sucked us in without us ever noticing and we've just been living in it? Some phys- uh, some physicists actually believe this is possible and there's this uh, article from the National Geographic says, are we living in a black hole? Uh, and then it goes on. There's an old cliche argument that nothing has felt right since 2012. I agree with this. Maybe it has something to do with the growing up and getting older, but ever since then, it seems like the world descends more and more into chaos each day time feels even faster and he just goes through this whole idea um, that we're living in a series of simulations or possibly multiple universes and one of the universes was destroyed by CERN and that because our universe was destroyed we essentially in an instant were like transported into another universe and that like explains why we have memories of of the old world and this is where a lot of this goes like the thing that I've realized about studying the Mandela effect is that 
there aren't a lot of theories. There's just mm-hmm. a lot of people giving the same explanations for the same three theories. So you've got the main ones and we'll get into all of them, but like you've got the mainstream telling you, you just have bad memory. You can't trust your memory. You're stupid. Believe what we tell you. And that doesn't sit well with people for obvious reasons. Yeah. And then you've got people who are pushing that we live in multiple universes um, that if, if a universe gets destroyed, we're just going to slide into another one. We're going to remember things. Um, if you have a different uh, take on a Mandela effect than I do, it's because you didn't grow up in the same universe that I did. Um, and then there's, you know, like time travel hypothesis and simulation theory. Yeah. And uh, I want to get into to all of those, but I did have something weird from CERN about the Mandela effect that came up in my research uh, before we move on. And Ooh. that is that in 2014, they put this song out there or this, the, the people at CERN dancing to the song uh, happy. I can't remember who sings that song. Isn't it like Pharrell or something? Cause no. it was in like despicable me. No, it's uh, it doesn't matter. But fatter bald guy I thought, but I don't know any of the people these days, uh, but I'm just going to play a small clip of this and uh, tell me what you notice. That's what you want to do. Uh, although, okay, it's this really awkward old man here that yeah. can't dance with the thumbs up. He's holding two signs that really stick out to people. And he, they say Bond number one and Mandela. Isn't Bond number one, I haven't really seen the movies, but isn't he like Roger Nelson? So that, yeah, that's surprising that you know. It's actually Barry Nelson, but that's oh, the weird Nelson. part. So everybody would think that the first Bond is Sean Connery because he's the first film bond. But uh, there's this guy named Barry Nelson and he was uh, born in 1962 and he was the first uh, bond in the um, TV version of uh, Casino Royale. So Casino Royale was the first book. It was supposed to be the first movie. It was the first uh, TV show. And then when they rebooted the series with Daniel Craig, they started with with Casino Royale again. But what, what essentially those those two signs are, if you put them together, if we know who Bond number one is, it's not Sean Connery. And then we see Mandela. It's Barry Nelson Mandela. It's just, it's weird. It's weird. I don't know if they're like feeding into the joke, like trying to troll conspiracy theorists or if they're like giving some kind of like revelation of the method thing. Like they, they have some secrets, uh, some knowledge about the Mandela effect. I don't know. What do you think? Or maybe it was just an excuse for the old man that couldn't dance. <laughs> It's an excuse for an old man who can't dance. It's like the signs are weird. It's it's no, like they in my opinion, are. it's one or the other, right? Either they're yeah. either they're like hinting at something they know or they're trolling. And it, it could really be I, I can't imagine that by 2014 they haven't heard. But I don't know. Like this is before the theory really takes off as far as I know that they're behind. This is again, this is five years before Nick Hinton's tweet, which really took yeah. off. I don't know if people were making that connection back in 2014. I couldn't find anybody making the connection between CERN and the Mandela effect back then. So I don't know. Yeah, I couldn't either. Okay. So I'm not the only one. It's You're weird, not the only right? One. It is weird. For yeah. sure. Um, th- okay. There's one more Man- Mandela effect related to, uh, related to CERN that I got to play you. So do you remember Sally Fields, like emotional Oscar acceptance speech, the line, you love me. You really, really love me. Right. So right? that, it, so that's what people remember it as. 
And this one, this is another one that's weird to me, and I'll show you why. So this has been parodied by uh, Jim Carrey in the movie mm-hmm. The Mask, and this is uh, this is where I first heard. It. I didn't know what he was referencing when I was a kid, but here it is. Thank you. You love me. You really love me. <laughs> so, and as I was looking into this, it's apparently not the line. Apparently the line, and just look at this title it mm-hmm. says sally field you, you give me oh. and I- <laughs> sorry about that <laughs> says good. sally field you like me you really really like me so when i was reading about the mandela effect years mm-hmm. ago i remember this one coming up it's like he said you love me you really, really love me that's why people remember it that way but mm-hmm. she actually said you like me you really really like me but then i listened to the clip today and again on this clip that we're watching on youtube it says mm-hmm. sally field you like me you really really like me I can't deny the fact that you like me right now. You like me right now. You, it's not even close. Yeah. You like me right now. You like me. It's 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 like a double Mandela effect. It's like okay, yeah. it's not love me. It's like me. Okay, it's not like me. It's right now. You like me. That is weird. It is super weird, especially because <clears throat> like it wasn't like that was a low budget movie by like some indie students that are like, ah, you know, I don't feel like researching that line. I'm sure it's probably something like this. Like, right. Yeah. Yeah. It's a little, little odd. And the reason I say this connects to CERN is because Sally Field's brother is one of the scientists at CERN, <laughs> which is just so strange. Rick Field, the physicist in the family, it says in 1951, young Rick and Sally Field watched their mother star in Hollywood's first science fiction film, the man from planet X. The film inspired Sally to follow in her mother's footsteps and become an actress, but Rick was moved by heroic efforts of the protagonist and decided he'd rather become a scientist. So, I don't know. There's a whole Mandela effect around Sally Field. It's one of the weirder ones in my book. Her brother works at CERN. CERN is talking about the Mandela effect in 2014. It's odd. I'll just say this right now. I'm not... I'm not off of the opinion that what CERN is doing could be messing with reality in some way. I don't think that we fully understand dimensions and reality. Yeah. Those are the, those are the things I get hung up on. And we're going to get into multiverse and I'll give you my opinions on multiverse and simulation theory. You guys have probably heard them before, but I'm going to try to delve into them and explain them better in this show. <clears throat> but I think there's a difference between multidimensional mm-hmm. and multiverse. And this is something everybody gets wrong. So I was doing some research on it today and I wanted to find the best way to kind of describe the difference between dimensions yeah. and universes, right? So mm-hmm. the multiverse concept is that our universe is only a small member and enormous multitude of universes. There's, you know, infinite amounts of them, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. But that's not the same as dimensions and we've heard CERN talk about dimensions and black holes and we've heard about these these concepts before and one of the guys I was listening to um there's a couple ways to describe it but basically a universe is like everything the stars the mm-hmm. the the galaxy the you know all the stuff from stre- spreading out as as far as you believe it goes or however you know whatever it's every physical thing in the in the plane and a dimension is not that there's two different things It's not like here's a universe, here's a universe, here's a dimension, here's a dimension. It's more like here's a universe and the dimension is the the way you're looking at the universe. It's your perspective on that universe. So they're kind of layered on top of each other. So if you think even three dimensions like in a cube, you're thinking like length with height. And then a fourth dimension might be something like time or whatever, right? Like there's other ways to describe it, but there's like this idea of like realms stacked on top of each other. So I, again, I'm a movie nerd. So I was thinking, what's like some good movie allegories Mm -hmm. for this? 
And <clears throat> the best allegory for for multiverse is what we're seeing shoved down our throats every single day, which is Marvel mm-hmm. movies, right? Absolutely. It's gone. In, everybody's gone into multiverse stuff. It's made things boring, guys. I can't yeah. take another movie where it's like the main character might die, but it's fine because there's a million bajillion copies of him and life is meaningless. Yeah. Um, they just, there's no stakes. They suck. They're boring. I, I, I don't know how anybody, I don't know why everybody's obsessed with like, oh, the multiverse is so fascinating and original and unique and great for stories. It's just not. Can't it was be less excited when like a first, like some, like your favorite TV shows <laughs> like started to do it and like gave their take Fringe on it. Fringe did it well. And like the only recent thing that did it well was like mm. everything everywhere all at once. And I didn't want to watch it originally. Cause I'm like, I've seen so many damn multiverse yeah. movies. But it was but, good. But by now, it's just, it's so overdone. It's like, okay, yeah. we got it. Like, you can just go grab their clone <laughs> and copy and paste them into the universe. That's great. Yeah, I feel like yeah. it's overdone because it's a, it's a being pushed on us um, for a lot of reasons that we'll, we'll get into. But uh, so there's that. There's that idea of multiverse. Mm-hmm. I think Marvel, think, you know, like um, Spider-Man, you know, the new Spider-Man movies where it's like a bajillion, bajillion Spider-Mans and they can all yeah. like cross universes and hang out. Um and then dimensions, um, there, there's there's actually a concept of dimensions being within multiverse or within universes anyway. So like mm-hmm. even in the Marvel universe, you'd have Asgard, which is not in a different galaxy or a different parallel universe. It's actually just a different plane of existence in a universe. And you know this is true in Marvel because Thor, there'll be different versions of Thor in different dimensions mm-hmm. or different universes because those dimensions are a part of the universe, right? Mm-hmm. But a better example, if you're not, if you don't want to like get all that confused, is um, a movie I brought up before called Constantine. And in Constantine, uh, this is a movie about heaven and hell and earth being these three dimensional planes, and that when he shifts his perspective, essentially is a way to put it, uh, he sees hell on earth. Like he's not changing his location; he's still in Los Angeles, mm-hmm. but he's in hell because he's in this different dimension of being and then heaven's the same way. So like these three layers overlapping each other, affecting each other. This, the reason I bring this up is because I absolutely through all of my research and, and, and Christian beliefs and, and other things think that the dimensional concept is fascinating and has some validity and I don't want to yeah. get it confused with multiverse, which I don't. And we'll, t- we'll talk about why in a minute, but do you think when shows uh, bring up the theory of like pockets, do you think that's a dimensional thing or do you think that is a um, universal dimensional thing? pockets is, is how they're yeah. Generally it's a dimension. So, but I don't know. I mean, some, some people might have it differently, but those are generally uh, dimensions or realms is like a pocket dimension is how it'd be talked about. So yeah. Um, but going along with the multiverse mm-hmm. theory, cause I want to explain it uh, before giving all my opinions on it. There's this idea of because we're, according to some people, sliding between different realities, different universes, whatever, that we're seeing in the Mandela effect, we're seeing residue left in our timeline as in like we remember something some way. The official story is that it's not that way. You know, my Bernstein Berenstain. Gosh, I still can't say it right. My Berenstain Bears book mm-hmm. says Berenstain Bears, but maybe there's some evidence out there that it was Berenstein at one point, right? Mm-hmm. And one of the weirdest like residue theory um, ones that I came across was Ed McMahon. Are you familiar with Ed McMahon? Yeah. Well, how do you know him? Right? He isn't he the guy with like the big checks? He's the publisher clearinghouse guy, yeah, according that. to everybody except except supposedly the facts, right? Like 
<laughs> yeah. Right? Yeah. That was the weirdest thing because we used to like get those things to our house and then it was on one of my favorite shows, Golden Girls. Like Rose got a phone call and she's like, oh my gosh, it's Ed McMahon. See, this is what's so crazy to me is like Snopes actually covers this and I was expecting mm-hmm. them not to, to give the evidence that I wanted to give and they did this time, but they have a different take on it. So let's look at this Snopes article. It says the Mandel Effect, Ed McMahon and Publishers Clearinghouse. So for you don't know, Ed McMahon supposedly never worked for Publishers Clearinghouse. He supposedly worked for like American family publishers or something like that. And he never, ever, ever went to people's houses and gave checks. That's the official story now. And Snopes rates that Ed McMahon was a spokesperson for Publishers Clearinghouse as false. And if you go down in here, you know, they'll give their examples, the reasons he actually worked for American family publishers. We were just remembering this wrong. There was a picture of him with a check one time. So we couldn't possibly remember it this way, except there's so many like examples of him actually talking about this and other people talking about this. You, you brought up golden girls. Let's check that out real quick. So Daughter that sweet. Just wasn't in the cards, honey. Oh, this is Roseanne. I clicked on the wrong one. Who are you supposed to be? Who am I? I'm Ed McMahon. You want our special Halloween jackpot. So there's Ed McMahon delivering a check on Roseanne Barr. Uh, here's the one you were talking about with the Golden Girls. <laughs> She says it right. Ed, yeah. Ed McMahon from the publisher's clearinghouse kind of hard to mistake because this is not like remembering back. This is when he was supposedly doing this stuff, right? Exactly. But the weirdest one. And again, this is the, the theory behind this. People are talking about is residue. It's like there are still things that didn't change from that <laughs> universe to this universe or, or however, if it's simulation or whatever we'll get into that are left. And the weirdest freaking one that I found, uh, I found it actually before this Snopes article. And then I came across this later. They just had it was he was on the Tom Green show and Tom Green says that he worked at Publishers Clearinghouse and Ed McMahon agrees with him. So uh, let's see if this is on the money. You would actually walk up to people's doorsteps and give them the check. Oh, yeah, sure. How many times did you present someone with a well, million dollars? So that's him asking about the checks. But if we go back a little bit, I'll, here we go. It's a little bit further. By quick, you know, 40. It really minutes. does. I just looked at my watch. It does yep. go by it's, fast. It's, uh, I mean, we have some more. Let's look at some more of the video clips that we've pulled off YouTube today, Logan. And you went out on the street and did this. That's pretty good. I, did, I went out today. I, you know, it was nice to get out of the house, to be honest. Yeah. With you. I find myself cooped up up here. Yeah. Actually, we went out in the street. You know what a funny one was? We went up to some guys and I. Uh, I asked them if they had anything they wanted to say to you, and yeah. I had I didn't really connect what they were talking about. They started saying that you owed the money for a check or something like that, and I wasn't thinking oh, about yeah, publishers' well, yeah. clearinghouse. I, I, I know those guys, and they're they're still waiting for their money. Uh, yeah. Do you have a? Cl- he doesn't he doesn't correct him like he yeah. brings it up multiple times. He asks Ed McMahon, Ed McMahon, did you go up and give people checks? But the official story is Ed McMahon never worked for. In fact, on Publisher Clearinghouse's mm-hmm. website and on their YouTube channel, they've got. Articles and videos saying he never worked for us. He's never delivered a check. He's never been associated with us. Johnny Carson gave him on his show a big check that said Publishers Clearinghouse on it as a joke. Him and him and Ed McMahon worked together for 30 years. Like, how do you mess that up? It's it's a weird this. It's another one of those yeah. like really strange Mandela effects. 
And the, the concept is either they're lying to us, gaslighting us, or mm-hmm. it's or there's like residue left over from like this this cross dimensional stuff or cross universe stuff. So I don't know. That's before both of our times a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> you said you said you grew up watching it. I don't know. I, I lived at my grandparents when I was a kid and uh, I, I think I remember it, but not that well. Just I remember seeing people get big checks. Yeah, I remember it being like in the media that I would watch, but I never saw it happen itself. Right. Yeah. So there's another another one. Do you come across this guy with the uh, old Nokia cell phone? At all? Oh, wait, was it when he would like hold like it over like the Bernstein Bears thing? Or is that a different thing? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's it. So there's this guy, there's this TikToker, and he claims he's got this old-fashioned Nokia uh, phone that's capable mm-hmm. of peering into the other dimensions. <laughs> and he takes his phone and he films him like over things like Looney Tunes mm-hmm. and over, you know, like uh, Febreze and Baron Burns. I'm just going to keep calling him Bernstein Bears, guys. <laughs> Call him that my whole life. Uh, Bernstein Bears. And uh, like here it is. I'll just show you guys. So here's, here's one of his videos. So you can see this with cheese. It's cheese. It's with the Z. And if you look, there we go. It's just cheese. It. Um, so this is interesting, but <laughs> it's not real. Like, let's yeah, just point this out. It's not real. It's edited. What, what sucks is the one video I was going to show you that proved mm-hmm. it wasn't real. I'll, I'll tell you why in a second. Um, but it's not there. So like other people have gone through it and been like, there's times where he's using a hand to hold the box and a hand to hold the phone. And then you see another hand doing something else in the video. So like either he's got three hands or they're, they're fake and it's a cool trick and it's a, it's a fun thing for TikTok and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. I don't think anybody on it. I don't, well, I shouldn't say that. I don't think most people take it seriously. I think they get that. It's kind of a funny, yeah. you know, uh, editing trick and stuff like that. Nobody's like really arguing that it's, it's real, but it is interesting. You know, when it I is. first saw it, I was like, it can't be real because that'd be too wild, right? Yeah. I think <clears throat> was he also the same guy that like walked in and out of a bedroom with the Bernstein Bears book and it would like change from Bernstein no, to No, that was another guy, but I didn't bring okay. that one up either because I just think that one's silly. But yeah, he's walking. So it's it's a it's not even that good of editing. You can see it yeah. like yeah. So I, I guess unless we'll get into simulation theory in a minute where it'd like be all digitized and stuff like that, but like it's just people. I don't know, man. It's not, I don't have to trust every single person on <laughs> yeah. TikTok, right? Um, but one of his videos he showed, he he took his um, phone. I, it must have been deleted or, or maybe I'm remembering this wrong. Maybe I have a Mandela effect of my own. But I remember this because the first time I saw the, the Nokia guy, mm-hmm. he was filming a TV and it was playing Sinbad and Kazam. So that's another Mandela effect is that mm-hmm. it was actually a movie called Shazam where he played a genie in the 90s. But people like myself remember Sinbad and it being called Kazam. Do, do you have a memory on it either way? No. Okay. Not even um, a little bit. Sorry. So here's a, here's another TikTok of, of the, uh, the bleed over effect. I guess you would call it um, of them finding a VHS and playing Shazam. So there it is. Sinbad or Kazam. I don't Sinbad Shazam Shaq Kazam. I can't remember which one's which it says Shazam on the screen. Something he forgot here. Something real. We can remember her body. Hey, we have our memories. They're real. 
No one can take that from us. Yeah. Hands up. Can you imagine if Dad saw this mess? <laughs> You. I forgot how long this is. I'm just gonna skip forward a little bit. Sorry, there it is. Hey, this is there's Sinbad. Uh-uh. I believe we got off on the wrong foot. Okay, this is what we're gonna do. We're gonna start all over, right? So very very clearly it's Sinbad, and people the official story is that it's it's Shaq and the Sinbad version never existed. I never saw the movie, but I did remember the commercials and I always thought it was it was Sinbad. Now the reason this one's uh, the reason I say this proves that the Nokia thing is fake is because I very much remember the April Fool's joke when Sinbad put this out. In fact, uh, it's pretty well documented. I mean, I'm not just reading this because of later. Like I remember very specifically watching that video. It's on YouTube um, when Sinbad did an April Fool's joke where he was like, oh yeah, I actually am because he gets asked the question in interviews all the time. He's like, what about that movie you did in the 90s uh, Shazam or whatever? He's like, I was never in a movie called Shazam. That was Shaq. Um, but yeah, so Sinbad in what 2017, I think, did a, did a spoof, uh, mm-hmm. a joke on the whole uh, thing. So okay, yeah. Um, and it was actually produced by uh, College Humor. Yeah, I think that's why I first saw it. So I don't know. Um, so here's the thing about multiverse that everybody gets wrong mm-hmm. is that what they're saying. I want to try to explain this right about multiverse. So it's basically uh, this theory that holds that uh, there's. I have this in my notes somewhere, but I lost it. <laughs> I want to make sure I explain this right. And I was, I had a, I had a note in here from like a scientist of explaining it. So, uh, I totally lost it, but basically it's this idea that there is multiple big bangs. They each created their own universe and that each universe has its own probabilities and its own uh, laws of physics. And it's, it's completely separate from other universes Mm -hmm. and everybody kind of gets multiverse mixed up with a thing that we're going to talk about in a second called many worlds theory, which is this idea that every decision you make, every choice you make, uh, spurns out into like multiple things. So, like if you decide to have tea in the morning instead of coffee, that decision changed the universe. There's yeah. infinite universes that all spawn from this, but that's actually not multiverse. That's um, that's many worlds theory and people get these two mixed up. So the reason I say this and the reason it's important is because it's people don't understand probability. So mm-hmm. I found this thing uh, why the multiverse doesn't explain fine tuning. I found a lot of articles on this, but one of the things that gets brought up is this inverse gamblers fallacy. I'm just going to read this to you is from a guy named Philip Goff. He says, mm-hmm. when you walk into a casino and you see someone roll a double six, you infer that there must be lots of people playing in the casino tonight. And it's likely that someone will roll a double six because there's, you know, so many things. So again, if you have infinite amounts of universes, one of them has to to make life happen, right? Like mm-hmm. this is this is again where multiverse comes from. But it's a fallacious inference because you've only observed one role and postulating many other roles in casino does not make it any more likely that the role you observed would be a double six. The challenge for the multiverse theorists is to explain why the inference uh, they do make does not commit the same fallacy. We have only observed one universe and the postulation of many other universes does not make it any more likely that this universe would be fine tuned. The answer standardly, standardly given is that the fine tuning case in contract with the classic uh, IGF case involves selection effect. So basically what I'm saying is mm-hmm. 
the whole reason for multiverse to exist, mm. this theoretical possibility is that if there's enough universes, mm. there's enough probabilities that all of the things that were explained in things like rare earth theory and fine tuning theory, all of a sudden those are not a problem. So you're familiar with like rare earth or fine tuning. I've heard a bit of about fine tuning as I was going through researching this, but I honestly don't understand either of those theories that well. Okay, so like rare earth theory is this idea that because our universe has like so many, they're both kind of part of the same thing, but basically okay. rare earth is like there are no other planets that, that we've ever observed that meet all the standard, all the things that make life on earth possible. We, we've got a moon that makes uh, the tides rise. We've got the sun at a certain distance from us. We've got planets like Saturn and Jupiter that block meteorites from coming in and destroying us. We've got H2O and we've got um, certain levels of like uh, oxygen and certain levels of this and that and the other. And and that's kind of, I'm kind of mixing rare earth and fine tuning, but the same mm. thing, the same thing is brought up in both of them that life to exist at all. Is so incredibly improbable mm -hmm. that once people started realizing that there was, and this is, this is really the history of, it, and this is what I want to get into. Like, this is why I have a problem with multiverse theory. And, and we'll talk about many worlds in a second mm -hmm. is because it seems like the whole point of it is, and again, if you talk to scientists, they're like, we don't need a creator for mm -hmm. our universe to make sense because with enough probability, one of one of them would make life eventually. One of them would have all of these millions and billions of, of incredibly minute things that make life possible or not possible happen. But with multiverse theory, that just simply isn't the case. Like, like I said, if I'm rolling dice a bunch of times and you're rolling dice, you rolling the dice does not affect my rolling of the dice. Like you, like you rolling the dice does not make, make my probabilities go up. We're two <laughs> totally separate entities, right? So yeah. in multiverse theory, there's again, the, the actual theory posits multiple big bangs, multiple things. They're independent of each other. This is where many worlds theory comes in. There's kind of Hugh Everett, the third, and his theory holds that a myriad of worlds exist in a universe apart from one another and that they're all coming out of decisions, right? Mm -hmm. And he gets this idea. You've probably heard this before. He gets this idea originally philosophically from Schrodinger. Are you familiar with Schrodinger's cat? Everybody knows about Schrodinger's cat, yeah. right? This is so interesting to me because I've been wanting to talk about Schrodinger's cat for a long time. But the idea of Schrodinger's cat is that when you put a cat into a box and you basically, you know, I'll just read it to you. Okay. I just want, <laughs> I'm sorry. If I'm having a hard time explaining this, let me know. But um, the original theory is essentially that uh, you put a cat in a box, you put it in there with um, like a radioactive substance. And when you close the box, you're not observing it. Therefore, the cat is not living or dead because you don't know, right? Like you mm -hmm. don't know unless you observe it. I think what people miss though is that Schrodinger was doing this as a joke and I want to mm -hmm. read you some proof that this is not what everybody like all the intellectuals bring this up is like this proves the the multiverse theory this proves quantum mechanics and things like that but if you read Schrodinger from his own diary it says uh, one can even set up a quite ridiculous case a cat jumped a cat is penned up in a steel chamber along with the following device which must be secured uh, against direct interference by the cat in a Geiger counter there's a tiny bit of radioactive substance so small that perhaps in the course of an hour of uh, an hour, one of the atoms decays, but also with the equal probability, perhaps none. If it happens, the counter tube discharges and through a relay releases a hammer that shatters a small flask of hydrochloric acid. If one has left his entire system to itself for an hour, one would say that the cat still lives. If meanwhile, no atom has decayed, the first atomic decay would have po poisoned it. 
The psi function of the entire system would express this by having it in a living and dead cat, pardon the expression, mixed or smeared out in equal parts. So the public understanding of, of Schrodinger's cat mm-hmm. more or less mirrors this, but without the complicated language, basically Schrodinger put a cat in a box and it would perhaps be poisoned or it wouldn't, and you would find out once the box opened. So until the quantum physics says the cat is both dead and alive at the same time, it's a state of superposition. The joke is that Schrodinger is keeping a quantum cat in a superposition in the trunk of his car. So in 1935, basically Schrodinger wrote this whole thing to make fun of a theory about blurred quantum physics that because we can't observe it correctly, Mm -hmm. that all possibilities are true. And Schrodinger is making fun of this theory saying like, essentially if you don't focus a camera, it doesn't make the object a different thing than it actually is. It's like, you ever see that 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 meme that goes around? I'm sorry, I'm doing a hard. I'm, I hate explaining quantum stuff. I'm trying to explain no, the best they, way that, that I can. That makes so much sense because it's like kind of like when you're <clears> in high school, if like go apply to college or whatever, and like you haven't opened it because you're too nervous about opening it. And like if it's small envelope and you don't you. open it, it's basically like, oh, okay, I won't know if like I didn't get in if I don't open it. But the size of the envelope or the fact that you open it or didn't See, open it this doesn't is, change that. This has always been my issue, right? Is like when I was a kid and I learned about Schrodinger's cat, I was like, if the cat's in a box and it's got a radioactive substance and the flask breaks, the cat's freaking dead. It doesn't matter that I don't yeah. see the cat. The cat is dead. The whole point is Schrodinger was basically speaking in this high lingo of the quantum mm-hmm. physicists of his time and back in 1935 who were arguing over whether or not because they couldn't observe something that all possibilities were equally true. And it's like, well, it's not equally true. Like yeah. any any rational person knows this isn't true, but we have to like it, you, you have to be so smart. You can be dumb enough to believe that because you don't see it, it doesn't, it doesn't happen, right? Like all possibilities are equally true. Basically what I'm saying is all of multiverse sprung out of two things. It sprung out of a joke that, that people were too smart to be, to to be just dumb enough to not get. And the fact that they couldn't explain fine tuning, they couldn't explain rare earth theory. If you dive deep enough into this, and again, I hate trying to explain this stuff. So I'm sorry that that whole last part was messy and didn't make sense. So I'll just speak in my own voice for a second instead of trying to read this high lingual bullshit. The point is that if you study this stuff, and I spent way too much time on this today, and I'm, I just can't explain it right. But if you study any of this deep enough, you'll just get to the point where the whole the whole multiverse theory is uh, there, there's no way to test it. Right? It's it's a yeah. it, it's an unfalsifiable theory, right? And according to uh, Prospect Magazine, I'll actually read this quote because this helps. It says, multiverse theory isn't actually a theory. It doesn't come with a recognized and accepted set of mathematical equations that can be used to perform calculations and make predictions. And so it offers no prospect of connecting in any meaningful way with empirical data now or in the future. These theories can't be tested. And so they can be neither proved nor disproved. Uh, It is argued that like God or astrology, these do not belong in science. So my point is, it comes from, again, a joke that nobody got saying just because you can't see it doesn't make it not true. You just like you said, if you don't open the letter for your college mission, doesn't mean you got accepted and not accepted at the same time, right? Yeah. The cat is quite literally dead. The cat <laughs> is observing itself until it's the cat's dead, right? And people pretend this is like some profound quantum, like super smart person thing. And a dumb idiot truck driver like me learned about this in high school and went, uh, the, the cat's dead, dude. Like if I leave the yeah. cat in the box forever, it's not still alive. It's super freaking dead, man. Yeah. And everybody knows this. And and I'm, that probably wasn't the best article to read because other ones put it more plain English where it's like, this is obviously a joke, guys. You're idiots. Um, 
but yeah, no, it's like even with uh, the 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 um, many worlds theory. This is mm. the one that everybody says when they mean multiverse theory that every action you have spurns off into others. It's just taking Schrodinger's cat thing, accepting it as true, even though it's a joke, even though it's not true, and then saying, "Well, because I don't know what would have happened if I if I drank coffee this morning instead of tea, then that is a real possibility. It's both happened and didn't happen. It just happened in another universe. It spurns up. Mm. There's there's just absolutely no evidence for any of this." I've, I've spent tons and tons of time trying to be like, am I just being biased because I don't want to believe multiverse? Cause I think it's silly or many mm-hmm. worlds theory. Cause I think it's silly, but everybody just will eventually say it's theoretical physics. It's like string theory. We want to believe it because it fills in our theory of everything. It fills in the gaps that we need and it's just as religious as anything else, exactly. but we have to be not really. So my point is if a theory is made up out of a joke and if it's made up out of, um, just simply wanting to not believe the data in front of your eyes. I don't think it's a good theory. So when we get into man, we'll get back to Mandela effect and stuff. But if for people who are like, so dead set on this being multiverse, so dead on set on this being many worlds theory and explaining everything and the, the worlds are collapsing and stuff. It's theoretical nonsense that comes from, from not wanting to admit that the universe needs a creator. And that actually brings us into our next theory, which is even more, plainly that thing that's simulation theory. So are you familiar with like all the simulation theory stuff? Yeah, I'm pretty familiar with it. All right. So in simulation theory, it's again that we are living inside of a simulation and Mm -hmm. maybe not just the first simulation. We're living like so many simulations down the line, right? Yeah. And in fact, um, Elon Musk actually talked about this. He's one of many people, but this started off in 2003 with a guy named Nick Bostrom. And he basically posited like, we're seeing people get smarter and eventually people are going to like destroy the planet. And because of that, they'll want to live in a, a sim- they want to create simulations, whether they want to live in it or whether they want to just like use it to game theory things out. They're going to create worlds inside of computers. Mm-hmm. Um, and and that, go ahead. And that was even a um, popular show on Amazon prime called upload where after you died, your like consciousness would get uploaded yeah. into like kind of like the cloud. And so you'd get to like right. go on and keep living your life in kind of a transhumanistic kind of way. It's the matrix. It's a million yeah. things. Yeah. Tons of people have done simulation theory. Sim- matrix is a little different because it's like people being jacked into a VR instead of just like you not existing. So like free guy is, is simulation theory where yeah. it's like, they're all just lines on the computer. In fact, the Mandela effect movie, sorry to spoil it for you guys. It's whatever. You probably haven't seen it at this point. If you haven't, you probably never will. Uh, the whole point of the Mandela effect movie is that they're living in a computer simulation. Like this is a very popular Mandela effect thing. And in fact, uh, Nick Bostrom, like I said, said it. And now a lot of the elites are kind of pouring onto this and I just want to hear their reasoning for it. So mm-hmm. let's, let's check out what Elon Musk has to say, first of all, cause he's kind of the one that everybody's pointing to right now is like, he really gets, you know, this thing and he has like good evidence for it. How do we know that that didn't happen in the past? and that we're not in one of those games ourselves. I think here's, in my mind, like the, the, the strongest argument for, the, for us being in a simulation, probably being in a simulation, I think is the following. Um, that that 40, called 40, 40 years ago, we had Pong, like two rectangles and a dot. That right. was what games were. Um, but now you can see a video game that's uh, photorealistic, almost photorealistic, and millions of people playing simultaneously. And um, and you see where things are going with virtual reality um, and augmented reality. And if you extrapolate that out into the future with any rate of progress at all, like even 
uh, 0.1% or something like that uh, a year, then eventually those games will be indistinguishable from reality. They'll be so realistic, you will not be able to tell the difference between that game and the reality as we know it. How do we know that that didn't happen in the past? And that we're not in one of those games ourselves. And, and actually, I mean, arguably we should hope that that's true, because otherwise, if, if civilization stops advancing, then that may be due to some calamitous event that erases civilization. E either we're going to create simulations that are indistinguishable from reality, or civilization will cease to exist. So, it's kind of a doom and gloom prophecy type thing, but it, I don't know. What are your thoughts on it, before I give my opinion? It... It just seems like they're trying to do some like go like Gnostic gospel thing where it's like, oh, n we have no control. We're s it's super nihilistic. Like life doesn't it is, matter. It's the prison planet thing. Yeah, right? it is. It is very Gnostic uh, in its belief, and it just seems to like when I listen to someone like Elon Musk. I know he's got the prestige and the money and the power, and we're supposed to believe he knows better than all of us. But his theory boils down to like two stoners sitting in a room, you know, at two a.m. Just <laughs> yeah. being like, what if you know, like how video games are getting really good. And that's all he really says in this clip. It's not that yeah. insightful. He just says video games are getting greater. I think of the world through a very 21st century lens. And therefore, I know all things for all time. I know what the future generations will look like. I know what they'll do because right now I'm looking at the world and going, what about video games? It, it's, it's not that interesting to me. Yeah, it's not. It's not that interesting to me. I will say like just to go back to the Mandela effect thing for a minute, uh, just to, to throw some more of that stuff at you guys. Um, there is, you know, one of the theories of that kind of fits into this one is this idea of like things glitching out. And I think we need to do an episode in the future about like glitches and, and go mm -hmm. further into simulation theory type stuff. Um, but I did find this one really weird Mandela effect with with uh, Tom Cruise. Mm -hmm. So have you ever seen the movie Risky Business? No, I like I've seen that one scene that's been in all of the other movies where like I think yeah, somebody yeah. else was watching it on TV, but that's the only one. So this one, this is the, the the dance scene from Risky Business. Yeah. And what people will point out is we'll play it real quick. He slides out and you expect him to turn around and have the classic sunglasses. There are no sunglasses. There's no Ray Where are his sunglasses. And what is weird about this is there's this Forbes article. That, that says that this movie is the reason Ray-Ban exists. So check this out. Tom Cruise love for Ray-Bans saved the brand from bankruptcy. Uh, Tom Cruise saved Ray-Ban from bankruptcy, boosting their sales by 200,000 pairs a year to 4.5 million pairs uh, from his movies. Like uh, this one says Top Gun at the top. Some of these articles mm -hmm. will, will go all the way back to uh, here. It is one of the most recognizable scenes from the 1983 film. Risky business uh, is best recognized for the sunglasses, but it's yeah. not, but there's no sunglasses in it. Right. So but that I makes no sense. Like it's, it's a classic Halloween costume for the pantsless. They all wear the, <laughs> the sunglasses, right? Ray-Bans yes. are supposedly it's supposed that scene supposedly saved Ray-Bans according to other articles and yeah. stuff like that. They'll also mention Top Gun and things like that, but I've heard it said in podcasts. I've heard it said mm -hmm. in interviews talking about Tom Cruise. I've heard this story so, told so many times. The story's still on the internet. Now what's crazy. He does actually wear the Ray-Bans on other scenes of the movie. And maybe people are mixing it up, but I find it odd that like mm -hmm. this would maybe fit in the simulation of like uh, items glitching out like a video game, stuff like yeah, that. Right? It's I like that. the sunglasses just not there in the, the most iconic scene that everybody's still wearing for for Halloween. They're yeah. still mimicking. You've seen it mimicked by other people, uh, including in like Mrs. Doubtfire and stuff yeah. like that. So but uh, yeah, he, he saved Ray-Bans by wearing them in the most famous scene of a movie that he's not wearing them in is supposedly the, the story. <laughs> So 
a little bit weird. But seems but, us. But my here's my thing. It's mm-hmm. I want I just want to make this clear because I know people are going to disagree with me on on shutting down things like multiverse theory and many worlds theory and simulation theory. I'm not just outright saying that none of these theories could be entire could be possible in any way at all. I have my faith and there's reasons for that that I don't think they are. Science seems to point that they're just un, unfalsifiable theories to to try to disprove God. That's part of a big reason for me. But it's just like unless you have something more than I need this theory to fill in the God shaped gap, you're not, I don't know who you're convincing. Like it, it yeah. seems to me like you're trying to fool yourself and it, it's not going to fool someone like I, I have reasons for my faith that go beyond um, glitch, you know, weird things happening around me, you know, the Kit Kat not having a hyphen and it doesn't yeah. make me question my faith. Um, especially when the further I dig into any one of these theories, it's just like, it, it, they're all they're all replacement for God, and the simulation theory is even weirder because it's kicking the can down the road. What simulation mm-hmm. theory is positing is our universe seems like it was created. It, there's a code to it. They'll talk about like binary code in the star systems and in DNA, and that we'll see patterns like the Fibonacci sequence, and we'll see the golden numbers, and we'll see all of these things. And they just keep talking about math and math and math and math and science and all the things that just could not possibly have come by chance. And people like you and me are going, duh. Yeah. Uh, but then you'll get things like this that it just, if you think I'm making this up, like here is a, a video, it's a very popular video on TikTok that says reasons that we have to live in a simulation. And just tell me what you recognize about every one of these reasons and why I just don't take this theory super seriously. The amount of coincidences humans come across is, at the very least, questionable. It strikes me as odd that so many coincidences all occurred on this single planet. We're perfectly safe in the habitable zone, with the perfect mixture in our atmosphere to sustain us. During a total solar eclipse, the moon lines up exactly with the sun, obscuring it completely. That doesn't sound too remarkable or coincidental until you realize that the sun is 400 times larger than the moon. And amazingly enough, the moon is 400 times further away from the sun. It's mathematically stunning that it aligns so perfectly. Or what about the fact that when water freezes, it becomes less dense? Again, this doesn't sound too remarkably coincidental, but the fact is, this detail has allowed all life on Earth to survive. Other substances get more dense when they are frozen, but liquid water is the opposite. Because of this, when water turns to ice, it floats. If ice didn't float, but instead sank to the bottom, all water would eventually have frozen over and killed all life within it. The multitude of ice ages this planet has gone through would have killed all life in land and in water. The amount of so what, is there another name for the theory he just posited with all of the exact same words? So what you're changing tra- simulation theory for another theory. So what you're telling me is that the in this video is that in the Gnostic Gospel, coincidence is spelled G O D. Yeah, well, like what I'm saying is I was trying to explain uh, uh, rare earth theory and fine tuning to you. And he literally just explained rare earth theory and fine tuning and called it simulation. And it kicks the can down the road because even in simulation theory, what you're saying is there is a creator. He's a computer geek in his mom's basement, Mm -hmm. right? And something had to have created him there at some point down the line, right? Whether you believe we're in a simulation within a simulation within a simulation, no matter Mm -hmm. how deep the layers go. What even Elon Musk and all these people will point to is there has to be a base reality. Yeah. And in that base reality, how are you describing and explaining the mathematical genius of the universe? Right. Assuming that it's exactly. anything like how do you explain life at all? Who like who who created your creator? Like if that's mm-hmm. your theory, right? So it's just kicking the can down the road. It's like, look at all this stuff that couldn't possibly be by accident. I know 
some guy made this on his computer, like some video gamer made me like, I just find a way like just accept, accept God at some point, accept that the universe has a creator, that there are mathematical uh, craziness. And, and just the, the fact that we exist at all is so mathematically significant that you can't get around it. Stephen Hawking tried to get around it and couldn't people like uh, this guy that I was talking about. uh, I already forgot his name. Uh, Hugh Everett the third tried to get around it, came up with many worlds theory, ended up drinking himself to death uh, by 50 years old. His daughter uh, ended up committing suicide later on because her life was meaningless and void and empty because they were trying their life's work was how do we explain the fact that this world seems to have a creator, but it can't because I'm, I can't accept it. Right. Um, That kind of reminds me when I was going through the whole like Christ, like conscience of my crisis of conscience where I was like, okay, so if I don't really, if I'm going kind of vaguely agnostic and I, maybe there is, maybe there isn't a God when I was on that like nihilistic stage of my life, then if we get to evolution, how, like, where did the ingredients come from? And that's, that's why we never There's, really accept nobody, that. nobody. Um, it, it feels more comfortable to just say, "Oh, here's the next step," and it's like, "But I want to know all the steps. I, w- I don't want to know yeah. who, like if you're saying that I was made in a computer simulation. I want to know like who made that world and who made that universe. Like you can't get past at some point. There has to be an uncreated being that created things. There has to be the unmoved mm-hmm. mover, right? Exactly. It's just a, it's just something that people can't get past. And the further we go into science, the more that we have to come up with really ridiculous theories like string theory, like multiverse theory, like many worlds theory, like simulation theory in order to explain something that the rest of us have just accepted that people smarter than me have accepted for thousands of years. Um, and it just becomes incredibly religious because you can't get around the fact that human beings are innately religious. I'll yeah. stop. I'll get off my high horse. But the point is the reason why, like we are talking about Mandela effect where I'm getting back to it. But this, these are the main theories, right? And Mm -hmm. I just have to say, I I have to give my opinions. This is my show and I want to give my opinions of why I'm not just going to come out and do what everybody else does and be like, for some reason, we slid into another universe and explains all things. I'm not even saying that it's uh, all just false memory type stuff, which is what we're going to get into next. Mm -hmm. Um, But before we do that, can we do, can we do two minutes hate for Neil deGrasse Tyson? Yes. Because I don't get enough chances to talk about why I can't stand Neil deGrasse Tyson. I hate him so much. I don't believe in violence, but he has a very punchable face. <laughs> right, right. So uh, my um, my list of stuff is so jacked up and out of order. But uh, here's the thing that gets to me, right? Is mm-hmm. Neil deGrasse Tyson is actually, from the more I looked into this, like, yes, I brought up names like Nick Bostrom and Hugh Everett and, mm-hmm. and even Elon Musk, right, to some extent. Yeah. But like outside of the the people that you've never heard of, there is one name that you've heard of, and he has pushed all of these theories simultaneously, which are all conflicting theories. Mm-hmm. And it's just like, I don't, I don't get why people like this guy. So I just want to like point out that this guy is like an intellectual hack who uh, his only contribution to science was saying that thing that's a planet is not a planet. Like that makes, uh, you know, like the thing that we can observe and has moons and rotates around like it's a planet is not one is like his contribution to science. And the rest of that he's done is said, I believe in conflicting things. He's just the group with, no, with no evidence. So here's here's him talking about simulation theory. That one day we'll have the power to do this. Right. And then that factors into these statistics. Okay. So there's one in a zillion, you're the real universe, and 999 zillion to one that That's you, your simulation. simulation. Uh, that convinced me. That's I not how statistics work either. That's not how statistics work, as we pointed out. Um, but we live in a simulation, according to Neil Grass Tyson, but we also live in a multiverse. So either we live in a we live in a multiverse inside of a many worlds theory inside of a simulation 
inside of whatever. Here's him talking about that. And the way he talks about it is just interesting. Do parallel universes exist? We don't know. Parallel universes are losing favor to the multiverse. We have some cogent theoretical expectations that our universe might be just one of many born from this hyperdimensional medium, which we'll call the multiverse. There's no data to support it, but we have good theoretical premise to think that it's there. And we- There's no data to support it, but we believe that a medium call it with a name that has some type of consciousness sp- spat us out of a machine that created worlds. Like at some point you just, you can't tell me that these people are hard science backed data driven, <laughs> you know. logical people when they can believe conflicting things that all just point to, I have a God, he's, he's a computer scientist or he's a medium called the multiverse, which is a very Marvel sounding yeah. concept. <laughs> It definitely I can't is. take these people seriously. I'm supposed to be made fun of for being a Christian. And this is how like the, the people like Neil deGrasse Tyson talk. I wish he wasn't a simulation so we could just turn it off and leave it in the <laughs> corner. <laughs> so let's talk about what the mainstream wants us to believe on this, right? Yeah. They want us. To, well, they do. I find this funny because I think that they they're actually okay with the fact that multiverse is being pushed on us. They're pushing on us through Marvel. Mm-hmm. I think they're okay. I'm pushing simulation theory through us. I've talked about this before with like inception and, mm-hmm. and matrix and things like that, where I think they're really, they, they want you to believe that your world is not real. So eventually you will enter into their matrix. Like so here's what's here's what I find funny. Sorry. I know mm-hmm. I'm going all over the place. But like people like Elon Musk will say, you know, we need to escape the matrix, but their end goal essentially is like, well, eventually we're all just going to plug into it. And and that's what yeah. the, the takeaway that these people are getting to is like everybody's before us is plugged into a computer. We're going to eventually do the same. So escape the matrix by accepting that your reality is fake and plugging into a computer because it's more comfortable than the reality that we're destroying around you. I, if I had a conspiracy theory around that, it'd be the fact that they want to convince us that it's good for us to actually plug ourselves into the demonic AI and like yep. when I say live in the pod and eat the bugs, I think that that, that that's part of it, right? I think they mm-hmm. want us to live in the pod in a simulation. The World Economic Forum literally talked about this. They said people will go on vacations through VR in the future and the rest of us will like actually go to Paris. Like you, you plebeians will you get a freaking like Oculus Rift and we'll like eat escargot uh, underneath the Eiffel Tower. I think they want us to plug in the matrix yeah. and they want to pretend that like they're the matrix breakers is my point. So anyways, I'm going all over the place. Frida, you got to slow me down. Um, <laughs> I mean, I'm following you. <laughs> okay. I'm sorry if this episode is all over the place. Let's uh, let's talk about, let's talk about what the media wants us to believe. So do you know that when you Google Mandela effect Wikipedia, you won't actually get one, even though it's like the biggest, like most popular, you know, culturally accepted, not censored conspiracy theory on the internet. But yet you won't get, uh, let me zoom up on this. You won't get a uh, page for the Mandela effect. You'll get this one, which I'll click on really quick. It's nothing. It just calls it disambiguation, which we'll get into in a second, but you'll just get a page that is called false memory. So the, the mainstream narrative over and over and over again, mm-hmm is literally all of Mandela effect can be explained away by you not being able to trust yourself. Don't trust what you've seen. Don't trust what you've heard. Definitely don't trust what you think you heard. Let us tell you what it is that you saw and heard and how your childhood was and what your memories are. Let us fill that in for you is kind of, kind of the thing. And uh, yeah. So what I want to read is the most is the number one thing that pops up when you look for an explanation of the Mandela effect. It gives you examples, all the stuff that we've talked about. And then it says, here's the, you'll see this over and over again. I'll give you the answer, but this is this one I feel like has the most succinct, like 
here's what the mainstream media absolutely want you to think about memory. Mm-hmm. Um, so it says false memories. A more likely explanation for the Mandela effect involves false memories. Before we consider what is meant by false memories, let's look at an example of Mandela effect as we will see, as it will help us to understand how memory can be faulty. Uh, who is Alexander Hamilton? And I'm just going to say this at the offset. They do make good points. I think they mm-hmm. can explain away some of this, but I don't think it explains all of it. Who is Alexander Hamilton? Most Americans learned that he was a founding father of the United States of America, but he was not a president. However, when asked about the presence of the United States, many people will mistakenly believe that Hamilton was a president. And they say this is because you learn about him and it go, with the founding fathers, mm-hmm. you put him in that same part of your brain. Neurons that access together. Hamilton. The, fire the, together. The, the, yeah. What'd you say yeah. again? Neurons that fire together, wire together. There you go. There you go. So like that's their whole thing there. And they say when memories are recalled rather than remembering perfectly, they're influenced to the point that they can eventually become incorrect. In this way, memory is unreliable and infallible. I'm not even arguing with anything they're saying being true per se. The next thing I'll talk about is confabulation, which involves your brain filling in gaps that are missing in your memories to make more sense of them. This isn't lying, but rather remembering details that never happened. Uh, This tends to increase with age misleading post event information. We talked about this earlier where it's like, you've heard a movie quote mm-hmm. um, something wrong. You've heard people quote a movie wrong enough times. You yeah. quote it wrong yourself. Um, and then this one called priming and says priming describes the factors leading up to an event that affect our perception of it. Also called suggestibility and uh, presupposition. Priming is the difference between asking how short a person is versus how tall a person is saying, did you see the black cat instead of, uh, or sorry, did you see the black car instead of a black car makes a, suge- a subtle suggestion that influences response and memory. I think that what they're telling us in these last two things, misleading post information and priming gives away what I think a lot of Mandela effect has been mm-hmm. has become or has been co-opted into because I think that the media is telling on themselves here. I think they're yeah. saying Right. This is this is kind of my grand theory about Mandela effect. I think that there's weirdness with reality that we can't explain or understand. I'm open to those ideas. I don't think it's multiverse. I don't think it's simulation theory. I'm willing to believe other concepts. I just I personally just don't think anybody's got a good answer for this. And I'm I'm not coming here with a good answer for all of it for you guys. But what I've seen from the media is that they love the Mandela effect because Mm -hmm. this is the memory hole. This is 1984. This is every excuse they've ever needed to say, we've always been at war with Eurasia. And then tomorrow we've always been at war with Oceania because your memory sucks. You can't trust it. You're Mm -hmm. idiots. You're dumb. We've got a million articles telling you this. You've made a million TikToks about the Mandela effect. And at the end of the day, we can just tell you repeatedly that your memory is completely worthless. Let us fill in the details. And we, we both came with examples of this. Yeah, I th- exactly. exactly what I think they're doing. So let's talk about um, a few. Mm. I want to get to the Elon Musk one. Well, we do want to start with that. Okay. Yeah, we can let's start, start with, with that. that. Yeah, I've been talking but, too long. Tell us about <laughs> Elon Musk. But before we get into that, I just want to say that this is one of those things where in a court of law, the like, whenever you see, you know, you're watching like a court show or whatever, and they're like, oh, no, overall, like, that's a leading question. That's why lawyers can't ask leading questions because they're priming you to say certain things to 
you know, favor their side of the argument, whether they're on the offense. Right. But that's what, the, that's what the media does with exactly. revelation, with things like revelation of the method, with, exactly. with leading questions, with the movies and ideas they put in our head, they are priming us. Exactly. And then they're giving us misleading post information constantly fake news constantly the media is utilizing the mandela effect creating the mandela effect in most cases in order to control this is what like my grand theory i'm <laughs> i know that there's some weirdness that can't explain i'll say that again and i'm open to interpretations i just feel like everybody's so damn stuck on simulation theory and multiverse <laughs> theory i don't think they make any damn sense and i hope that somebody out there will take this and go like we're not thinking about the mandela effect correctly yeah. I think that there's something more to the weirdness, but I think that a lot of it can be explained by what they're saying, which is false memories. Sure. Mm-hmm. Some of it, but I think that they're intentionally gaslighting the shit out of us. Yeah, for sure. With so many, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't put it past them that they changed Jiffy to Jiff and then paid Jiff to be like that. That, that never freaking happened. Yeah. <laughs> like we were just going to gaslight the shit out of people. Exactly. <laughs> It's so toxic. Okay, Um, go ahead. But one of the things that I found that was kind of like a Mandela effect for me was the fact that, I shit you not, I thought that Elon Musk owned Tesla. And PG's like, Raise raise hands in chat. Who thought Elon Musk founded Tesla? Because that's what you meant, not owns. Founded founded Tesla. Tesla. Thank you. Yeah, there we go. Raise hands in chat. We'll wait. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) Yeah, I told you this this morning. Yeah, that was insane. And then I did a bunch of research into it because, like, I literally learned that in business school. Like, we're paying these teachers and they're giving us bad information. But the way Um, you, the reason you learned in business school is why this is so interesting to the Mandela effect. Yeah. So, Mountain Eberhard, he confounded, he co founded Tesla in 2003 with his longtime friend Mark Turpening, and Musk led the company's 75 point million Series A round of funding and became chairman of the board in 2004. But Eberhard and Musk, they both butted heads, and Musk ousted Eberhard from a CEO, CEO role in 2007. And there was a lot of drama with them up to the point where Eberhard. Um, ultimately resulted in a defamation lawsuit against Musk. And then they both had to sign a mutual, a mutual non-disparagement agreement. They set, the lawsuit was settled out of court for an, an undisclosed amount with the condition that Musk and two other Tesla executives, J.B. Strabel and Ian Wright, could also claim the title of Tesla founder. So officially, according to history, official, the official story, the official legal narrative Mm-hmm. Is that Elon Musk, who took over the company four years after its founding, was the founder? Yeah, and this is what everybody believes because he literally. And if you go onto Tesla's to website, and if you go onto Tesla's website and you read the, the, the fruit of the loom, read fl- fruit of the loom here, guys. I'm sorry, I'm stuck on that one. Okay, I think they're lying to us. Read the fact that the official. You can't argue with it. This is history. This is fact. This is the the CEO of the company, the founder of the company, telling you he founded it in 2003 is a lie. But it's a man. Yeah. Is, is that like, is that a Mandela effect? Or is it a co-opting of the Mandela effect to be like, you thought, you thought some other guy, you thought that Peter Thiel started PayPal, not, not yeah. Elon Musk. That was another, like he's done this a bunch of times. And I, exactly. I wouldn't doubt if in like 10 years time, we're supposed to say Elon Musk has always owned Twitter. He started Twitter. He started Twitter. He started X. Sorry. He started X. But that's another weird thing because so basically there were these two companies. One of them was Confinity, which 
which had developed PayPal. And then there was X.com, which was like, not the X, like formerly known as Twitter, like a different X.com. This was a different one. And so that company was initially, um, both of them were like massively losing money. So they merged together with Elon Musk and Peter Thiel's Confinity. And then Musk became the CEO of the merged companies with Thiel stepping aside. And he wanted to change the popular PayPal branding to X, even though customer surveys like legitimately indicated that that wasn't a good idea. David Sachs was one of Thiel's deputies, decided that that wasn't going to happen, and was among the architects of the coup that removed Musk, according to The PayPal Wars, which is a book by Eric M. Jackson. Right. But in all of that, Musk's contribute contribution was was literally nothing other than giving yeah. it a name, taking a failed company, merging <laughs> with a successful company. They took none of the things from X.com to, to yeah. put into PayPal. They didn't accept his name change and then they eventually kicked him out. Yet you will hear that Musk founded PayPal with Peter Thiel. Yeah. It's just not true. He didn't found Tesla. He didn't found PayPal. But because of legal wrangling and because of Internet uh, being what it is and they can just change things really nilly and lie to you. This is this is the thing that people believe on, on both counts. Uh, and there's other examples of this. There's some really good ones. So we are the champions is another mm-hmm. Mandela effect. I'm sure I don't know if people said it in chat, but I know it's one people are thinking of. I had an argument with my brother in law this week and I was like, dude, I'm telling you we are the champions ends with what are the three lines? What are the last three lines? We are the champions by queen of the world of the world. It ends with of the world, right? And yes. he was telling me, no, you have it wrong. There's this line and we will rock you. That sounds like that. And people are confusing the two because you hear them back to back. And I listened to read tons of explanations. I actually just had this conversation with a lot of people over the last week. Like what are the last three lines? And I said, I, I bet you I'll be able to prove this. And everybody's like, no, it's not there. It's a Mandela effect. Officially. It's a Mandela effect. Officially. It doesn't exist. It didn't happen. But let's just let's just first check out uh, what the original recording is from the 1977 album. So here is here's that. Feels empty and weird, doesn't it? It really does. There's no of the world. What the heck is wrong with this? There's no of the world, right? So then yeah. I started looking through old Queen live albums and uh, our live shows, and I found this. So that's Lou. Oh shoot, stupid! I should. I'm not going to pay for YouTube Premium. We'll uh, we'll just skip this ad in a second. Here we go. Let me go back. So he says it in lots of live performances. I found tons mm-hmm. of those. Those are not hard to find, but I have a memory of it being in movies or TV shows or commercials or yeah. l- listening to the album. My dad's truck. I remember it being of the world. I have and a poor memory of it being of the world. Too. I'm convinced it's not just from a live album. So I was like, this is not good enough. I can't just come here and be like, eh, he did it in a live show once or twice or 10 times. There's more to this. So I started looking around and I know this comes from Reddit, but it came from a few other places. Um, people were saying, here's the thing. It doesn't end in of the world in the 1977 original. Mm-hmm. He said it in a lot of concerts. They added it in the 1981 greatest hits album. Um, so I went looking for the 1981 greatest hits album of queen. And when you click on the links, 
it just doesn't exist. They have erased the 1981 greatest hits album from queen from the internet, even though that's what everybody seems to agree on is the one time that the recording had of the world. And it wasn't just in a live concert. So what I'm saying is they're gaslighting you, right? Yeah. This exists. We know it exists. If you read articles about it, it'd be like, he never said that it's not in the lyrics sites with shirts sure, and some live stuff. They haven't taken down yet, but it's never been on the album except the time that it was on the album. They just scrubbed the album from the internet, right? They're get. They want you to feel crazy. Yeah. And that's like so strange to me because I have this core memory of, I don't know if you guys remember those like 90s public school playgrounds, but they're like these big net things. And all of my entire like class would just like lay in like the big like net thing. And we would sing like Journey songs and Queen songs because like we were weird. I don't know what to tell you. And we would always be like, <laughs> you're still, you're still weird. You're still weird, but I appreciate Thank you. Thank you. I try. But for real, like how much, how much of the Mandela effect is actually like, we've heard it repeated wrong so many times. So again, things like priming, things like post information, but it's not on, I don't think it's all an accident, right? Like there is a weirdness to us remembering all the same things wrong. That seems like an intentional, complete cultural gaslighting. And there's a new one that came out this year that you sent me. And a lot of people were talking about, I asked my wife, Mm -hmm. you've watched Lilo and Stitch with the kids a million times. We don't have Disney plus. Mm-hmm. said, what does Lilo hide in? And she says, it's a dryer, right? And, and yeah. so I looked it up and the clips were all of Lilo hiding in a pantry with a pizza box cover, which she, I don't know, pe- adding pizza to kids cartoons from Disney feels yeah, very pedophilic. Sus. It's really sus. But I found this. It's not actually a Mandela effect. They're just gaslighting the shit out of you because they changed it on Disney plus to her hiding in a cabinet with a pizza. Why, why is there a P pe- who has a cabinet with a pizza painted on it? My point is it feels yeah. it is intentional. The edit makes no sense at all. Especially and then they added in a damn pizza logo, like some freaking pizza gate nonsense to just mm-hmm. drive us all insane. It's yeah. actual washer. Yeah, it's actual washer. Why did they change this? Like what was the what was the purpose of changing her from hiding in a dryer to hiding in a pizza cabinet? Especially because there's like a laundry basket, so we know that like and like Stitch got into the laundry basket, right, right. and then he had like a pair of like undies on his head or something like that, and so it was like it's gaslighting. Yeah, people people be like, I swear I remember her being in a dryer. My memory can't be trusted. Yeah, but they're freaking changing this stuff in front of your faces. Um, I think I had another example of this. Uh, yes, I have a personal one. I've talked about this on the show in the past um, and it's driven me nuts. So I, I, I got sick of just bringing it up and I wanted to look into this. So in 2016, on July 7th, in 2016, there was those big BLM riots in Dallas, Texas. Mm-hmm. Now, one of the other Mandela effects people have that I don't share is that JFK was in a car with four people and not six. I always remembered it being a modified convertible mm-hmm. with six. I think people are wrong, but whatever. Um, so in Dealey Plaza where JFK was assassinated, uh, by multiple gunmen, let's just say that let's just get it out. It's a conspiracy show. You think I, you think I think it was Lee Harvey Oswald by himself. You're, you're out of your mind. So in Dealey Plaza on December or sorry, July 7th, 2016, I was up all night. I work, I've worked nights. I've, I've Mm -hmm. talked about this before where I work nights. So sometimes I'll hear the news at night and then by the next morning they've got their narrative straight and it's gaslighting, right? Yeah. So that night I watched hours of cause I was home. I wasn't working, but I was home watching this with my mm-hmm. brother. So he remembers this too. 
Um, we watched hours of them saying the police have called in. Here's a, and they had whiteboards. They were drawing out saying, here's this tower. Here's this tower. Here's this tower. They're triangulating fire. The police literally can't move. Five police were killed. Seven other police were shot. Triangulating fire hours of this coverage, uh, news footage of multiple gunmen, a uh, guy running between pillars with a shotgun, another guy on the top of a building shooting. And by 7 p.m. the next day, or yeah, I think maybe even 7 a.m. the next day, I think it was 7 p.m. the next day. It was one shooter. It was always ever one shooter. In fact, here's the NPR article on it. Um, and it'll say right here, updated 7 p.m. the next day. Okay, so officials say a gunman shot and killed five police officers during uh, Thursday at Dallas protest against police shootings of black men and about a violence, yada, yada, yada. The suspect who died in a parking garage was Micah Xavier Johnson. Authorities say Johnson was a U.S. military veteran who had served in Afghanistan. One shooter, always one shooter. He shot 12 people. We don't talk about the shooting for some reason ever. Maybe it's because yeah. of BLM. Um, and if the, forget the triangulating fire. And here's the thing. I can't find any of the news footage. I've looked for years to find this news footage. Um, I Actually, I looked up all the articles on it, and they all Ooh. have news clippings. They're all removed. None of them have it. Mm-hmm. But I did finally find one page, and I have a theory about why this page hasn't gotten taken down. It's from Newsom, and the the title of the article is "Black Conspiracy Theory 101: Top Six Conspiracy Theories About Dallas Police Shooting." <laughs> and look, you'll see this. Look, the video from the news coverage is gone, even on mm-hmm. this. And if you scroll down far enough, you'll see the three other shooters were white. That's the conspiracy theory, and the reason this I think is stayed on the internet is because. You can't, <laughs> it's a racist screed against white people. Of course they want this on the internet, right? Yeah. And it goes into how the only re- the reason that Micah X Johnson was the only one killed, even though we know there was four shooters is because he was black and the other guys were white. That's their conspiracy theory. I don't buy it because I saw the news footage that night and it was definitely yeah. other black individuals. Um, but weird, right? Like every That's other article, hundred percent has said for the last seven years that it was only always ever one shooter. They're gaslighting the crap out of people like me who stayed up that night. Mm-hmm. You know, there's a Mandela effect that I don't, that I remember different than everybody else. And then I got on Twitter and I just found a few. Ex- oh, I can only found two examples of this um, thought uh, throughout the night last night into the morning. Dallas PD story continues to change from multiple shooters to one. And then this one, multiple shooters slash one Patsy Oswald script remake, same set Dallas 2016 objective kill robots by public known and acceptance made. So (laughs) I don't know, guys, I just had to fit that into a show at some point that I think this is how they have utilized the Mandela effect to say your memory's faulty. And now we can just sell you any line of bullshit, even if it's less than 24 hours after it happened. Yeah, I was being gaslit with it. I remember listening to news stories, talking to people at work and they were saying, no, it was only ever one shooter. This was within a day of it happening, right? Yeah, that's like it was one shooter. It was only ever one shooter. You're wrong. You're remembering it wrong. Your memory's faulty. And they're pushing this narrative. They conveniently have been able to take the Mandela effect, make it popular and use it to tell you we can tell you what the truth is and you can't question it because we've got article after article after expert after expert saying your memory can never, ever, ever be trusted. So that's kind of my theory on it. Yeah. And on top of it, too, a lot of neurologists and different like experts in psychology and like all of those like neuroscience aspects of things, they don't really even understand how we store memory. 
No, but it doesn't matter. They, they're they the experts. They can tell you however they can make it be what it is, right? Yeah. Trust the science that we ourselves don't understand. So we're the Mandela effect wasn't ri- first written about in 2009. It was first written about in 1948 when 1984 was written. That's what it is, right? It's the memory yeah. hole. It's the, it, except in, except in, except in uh, 1984, it was, everybody was afraid to say, mm-hmm. oh, we're, we're actually, we were at war with Oceania yesterday. They're, they're afraid in our world. They're just gaslit into it. Mm-hmm. It's like, this is why I say 1984 and uh, a brave new world. There's like a, a Venn diagram a Kamala Harris Venn diagram of like where we're at today. <laughs> yeah. So, <laughs> um, <laughs> I want to quickly read some five star reviews. I'll bring up one last thing. I got a video I want to play for you guys to end this show and then uh, let us know what Mandela effects you guys think uh, over in the chat. We're going to be shutting off YouTube in a minute and just going over to rumble and odyssey and reading your guys's memes and reading through your comments and uh, kind of seeing if there's any other stuff we want to talk about. We'll just kind of open it up to, to questions and stuff like that. Um, but first we have a five star review. So if you guys give us five star reviews, we'll always read them on the show. And we got this one from Justin time. 077 says, could it be a real pair of people that aren't simply floundering on the surface and know the material they're discussing and are passionate about the uh, topics? Question mark. Nine out of 10 conspiracy podcasts are clowning, goofing off straight up, just acknowledging theories before dismissing them because they can't even take that leap. These guys are here are the real deal. Happy to have found you. Keep keeping it real and roll up on them. Terry's. Gonna drax them scouts. Sad that that, that people don't realize the internet is how is heavily scrubbed and washed. A think the internet is magic and the same thing from the nineties. It's not the wild west anymore, friends. So thank you, Justin Time zero seven seven for the five star review. Uh, It's a free way you can support the show. So please go over and do that. We didn't get into time travel, but I did want to leave people with one time travel video before we go talk to people, and then I want to share the. uh, the the lady ballers trailer with people. In a yes, for sure. But do you have any time travel theories or things you want to get out there? Because I feel like time travel needs to be its own episode in the future. I definitely feel like it needs it to be its own episode in the future, but only on the condition that you actually watch Doctor Who because it's a really great show. Oh my gosh. I thought I could get through one damn show without being told to watch Doctor Who. Like you can't can you really talk about like time travel if you don't uh, watch like that preeminent show that's absolutely iconic. I feel like I've seen all the time travel movies that are iconic, but whatever. So anyway, I'm like talking about quality content. You know? <laughs> Someone in our discord uh, g- gave us this theory. I said that I was sick of the same four theories around uh, around the Mandela effect, where it's just like mm-hmm. your memory sucks or it's simulation or it's multiverse. Um, and I said time travel, but then somebody I didn't really get into time travel because the, the the basically all it just sums up to is people are going to the past, changing things, and then we're just kind of recognized. There's not a lot to it. It's just kind of like, what if, bro, kind of stuff. So I didn't think it was that interesting. But somebody sent me this really interesting kind of screed about like retro causality and mm. the end of time. And it's from like this uh, Christian perspective. So I thought it'd be a fun thing to end the show on. So we're going to play that. Then we'll go over and uh, chat with you guys. But uh just enjoy just enjoy this uh, individual in the woods talking about uh, just ranting about retro causality. And if you're listening to this, please come over to Rumble and uh, catch us live on a Wednesday night or come support us over on Locals because we got shows every Thursday as well. Thank you, Frida, for being here. Do you want to tell people where to find you and how they can yes. f- watch your show? 
So I'm also on Rumble. I have a show called Finding the Faith. We go through different individuals' faith journeys and talk about different faiths and different types of like ideologies and values and stuff. And not this week coming up, but next week, PJ is going to be on my show on Tuesday the 12th. So we should be having a great conversation then. Awesome. I look forward to it. I've been on your show once before. It was fantastic. Uh, please go check out Finding the Faith on Rumble. Frida is wonderful. She's got a lot of wonderful guests uh, other than me. You know, maybe skip that one. You guys probably had enough of me. But let's check out this video uh, from uh, from this dude. <laughs> and uh, we'll see the rest of you next time. But we want to rush through real quick, understanding that retrocausality, this thing that has occurred, something in the future, whatever it may be, is so big, so catastrophic, cataclysmic, that it's literally sent a shockwave throughout time and creation. So much so that it has disturbed the molecular structure, as it were. I mean, we're talking about something that can change the physical attributes of the human anatomy, even. Now, that's, that's some pretty drastic stuff. Blue eyes now on Hitler, the hero of World War II, right? Huh? It used to be brown eyes and now everybody, well, we got blue eyes. Really? Something that literally changes the color of eyes. Now that can be done through manipulation, through the CGI and the computer stuff and, and all of the AI and all of these things working in the way they would. We're talking about something that has shook the foundations of many people's belief systems, changing the molecular world so much so that the words are changing. Time itself even seems to have changed. Now we know under the Christian scriptures that there would time come where the beast system or that man of sin, that antichrist, would think to change the times and the laws. And they would be given into his hand for a time and times and the dividing of time. And that's what you hear. Everybody's on one timeline or another. I've got to talk fast, folks, because I only got a few minutes here on this camera. It won't hold a lot. So bear with me. Process of elimination should be very important here. What can literally change the physical makeup of mankind? Well, God created man in the beginning from the dust of the earth. So we understand. And so we, we see people say, well, CERN has done this with all of their great laboratory studies and the, the, the magnetics that, that causes this pulse. And sure, the resonance of, of the Schumann resonance is being affected, the brain uh, manipulation of, of the world. We've got chemtrails and all these other things that are going on, nanoparticulates. And I mean, you just go on and on and on. But what literally? Is it just the minds that have changed or is things physically changed? And to those that are in this Mandela-affected world, they see the molecular changes physically. Chick-fil-A, where'd the K go? It used to be chic, chic-fil-A, like chic jeans, remember that? All of the things I'm telling you, scriptures recorded as prophecy, that all the land masses would be moved out of their places. So I postulate this to consider, again, if you're going to consider everything, then you gotta look at it with an open mind, okay? God knows the beginning from the end. This is why we understand how prophecies work. And he said in the end that the Son of God, Yeshua HaMashiach, Jesus the Christ, all religions looking forward to some Messiah, as it were, to return. Many calling for the Mahdi or the Antichrist to become first. But we're told in Scripture that Jesus Christ will come back and in his return, according to Zechariah, when he sits his foot down upon the Mount of Zion, that it will be split. That an earthquake is going to happen like never was since the beginning of time, up to that time or ever would be again. We're told that it's going to literally, at his return, shake the heavens. You've got to understand this. You may not believe it. You may not want to hear this. But it still should be considered because there are many who believe it to be true. If the Son of the living God, who created all things by his word, says that he's coming back as the King of kings and Lord of lords, and with his best gift, 
in Revelations 19 and 13, it says His name is the Word of God. Are you with me so far? It also says when He returns that the angel of God will declare that time shall be no more. Time is important here, folks. We're on a linear timeline. That's what we understand. We're moving forward. Yes, there is Anderson Institute, Fermi Labs, all these other places, even, sir, trying to manipulate time, to try and twist, to try and go back, or to escape for whatever reason it is that they're doing. Trying to open portals to other dimensions, the spiritual realm that we've known forever that it exists, that angelic realm where the fallen and the righteous both dwell. But this return of Christ is going to shake the foundations of all creation from the beginning to the end, all the way back to Adam. That ripple, as it goes back in time, smooths out. People are saying, well, these changes have been occurring all throughout life. And that's probably a truth to that, because the ripples from that main impact, the end of time, as it were, will go out and level out. And the closer we get to that coming, the more frequency and the higher and the harder we're going to see these things occurring. So, <coughs> I suggest that you look into this. Don't take my word for it. Go before God. God will make Himself real to you. People who don't believe in God have not had an experience with God. Many people, well, I'm, I'm, I'm Christian, I'm this, that. You worship with lip service and your heart is far from Him. Not everyone that says, Lord, Lord, in that day is going to enter into the kingdom. These are all scriptures that we're told. But when he comes back as the king of kings to set up his kingdom here, then a time is going to go, a ripple shooting forth, that he will destroy the Antichrist with the brightness of his coming. You've got to understand, every eye shall see and every knee will bow and every tongue shall confess. On that day, the rich men are going to hide in their dens and in their, their bunkers and call for the rocks to fall upon them and hide them from the face of him that sits upon the throne. I'm telling you, this is what's causing the changes to the human anatomy. A rock hitting the earth and destroying it is not going to change your liver and give you a larger liver to be able to, to filter the system or filter the poison. Your bone structure now seems to be more armored, if you will. Your heart now is more in the center, not to the left, they say. It's more right on there. The kidneys, remember the kidney punch? It was illegal in boxing, and now, instead of having your kidneys here, they're up inside the rib cage more protected. Amazing, amazing. Hitler's eyes changed from brown to blue, according to what they're saying in the Mandela Effect community. Something so big and so has hit in the future. That's prophecy. That's what that is about. And when it happens, now listen.